Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to after the Jets beat the Florida Panthers last night in Paul Maurice's return and wake up today in first place in the Central Division. Welcome to the program, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, Michael Remus with you, and we got lots of Jets talk coming up. Two of our favorites today, Marat Atash, a little later on. And we're going to tee it up with our guy, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet, coming up in about 20 minutes to discuss the big win last night for the Winnipeg Jets. And a look ahead to a quick two-game road trip with back-to-back games in the Central Division against the struggling St. Louis Blues and Chicago Blackhawks Thursday and Friday. And today was the day that the former Lou Marsh Award, now called the Northern Star Award for Canada's top athlete for 2022, was announced. Marie-Philippe Poulin, Canadian women's hockey star, gets the award today. Sean Fitzgerald of The Athletic going to jump on a little bit later on to uh, talk about that. Uh, Hey, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen. We could not do it without them, including our great partners at CoolBet, Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp., as well as Royal Sports, F Apparel, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Manitoba Battery, Wallace & Wallace, Little Brown Jug, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Culligan Water, and of course the Great Taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus. Uh, Remo, what a night last night at the Canada Life Centre. Jets came out with a great start, far different than they had earlier in the homestand and uh, made it count. Welcoming Paul Maurice back with a nice ovation from the fans and nothing to show for the game as the Jets get the two points and move into first place in the Central Division. Oh, yeah. I saw you woke up and tweeted out, took a screenshot of the standings on your app. I did. And tweeted it out. Well done. That's a good, some good social. How do you get likes, uh, sir? Well, well done. And I mean, it's crazy to think, and it was kind of almost been like a retrospective um, how did we get here? Because, you know, Paul Maurice steps down a year ago. I think it was close to this week, like around the around the Grey Cup time. And here we are, the Jets, who weren't even close. They were kind of close to the playoffs, but it was a complete downward spiral. Reverse course, and now they're first place. Um, I guess he was right that they needed a, a new voice. Uh, Rick Bonin, they have gave so much praise to Rick Bonus, but you wonder, like, it almost makes you wonder, like, what if they would have made the move sooner what could have been but we can sit here and enjoy the Jets playing so well enjoy Connor Hellbuck having a, a Vesna caliber season this guy he stops everything he can see and um, Mark Shifley having a you know bounce back season and Kyle Connor you know wasn't scoring points to start the year but he's certainly on a heater now with 11 points in his last seven games and he's back on that like 35 uh, 40 goal pace Hey, you mentioned Hellebuck, um, who was awesome again last night. Although I think part of the success that he's having, you know, has to go to the team and the way they're playing around him. Florida shoots the puck a lot. Um, They had a ton of shots in the second period, and that was the one part of the game where Florida was sort of more in control. But I'll tell you what, I mean, the combination of allowing Hellebuck to see pretty much everything that's coming his way um, and the extended level of brilliance that he's given is a big part of where the team is just quickly before we get to last night's game at what point do we move on from pumping up hellebuck for vesna to start pumping his tires for the heart trophy ring oh whoa 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 <laughs> man you know what I, I i never really thought about that but now that you mention it 
you should definitely be in the conversation. So how about now? Yeah. Yeah. Forget, right the, forget the Vesna. <laughs> Been there, done that. Good. I mean, you he's, think he's of... got that. That's that's locked and loaded. Yeah. Although I will say this. Um, Jake from Coolbet, who I was with in uh, in uh, Doha for the last couple of weeks out at the World Cup, hardcore Leaf fan. And he kept on talking <laughs> about Matt Murray being the guy that was going to be pushing Hellebuck for the Vezina. And I laughed. And then I saw he dropped a 44-save shutout last night, helping the Winnipeg Jets in a shutout of the Toronto Maple Leafs. All joking aside, though, Matt Murray's been an amazing story for the Leafs, and I don't know many people that saw that coming. I certainly didn't. But, man, Hellebuck has been great. But last night was about so much more than one particular player, although there were a few key guys that were front and center both before the game and during it. And what can you say about the performance that Mark Shifley had, Reem? We talked about, you know, what we heard from Mark going into the game. Um, it seemed like this was an incredibly determined 55 to uh, put on a great performance yesterday. And that's exactly what he did, leading the Jets to a big win over the Florida Panthers and uh, a spot at the top of the Central. Yeah, you know, Jeff Hamilton mentioned earlier this week that he thought some of the Jets would be, you know, ready, more than ready to go against Paul Maurice. And I don't think we talked about uh, the revenge narrative Enough, but you definitely felt it in Mark Shifley's intermission interview, which uh, we could play, and his post-game comments that he this is good, good win for him personally. I think was the terms, and he's on a pretty good pace here. Fifteen goals in twenty-four games, fifteen and six. Uh, jokingly, Cy Young's going, you know, almost a point per game pace, like many of the Jets are. I mean, this has just been a number of players having careers. Um, Luke Dubois quietly three assists yesterday. I mean, everything is rolling. Rick Bonus has pushed all the right buttons. And um, I mean, it's hard not to notice uh, the night and day difference between this year and last year. It's actually um, pretty incredible because, you know, last week I was pumping the team's tires talking about um, playoffs. Like, should we now I'm like, okay, should we like be making space for a banner? <laughs> like, get that banner that they should have had in, in 2019. Uh, maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but when you open the standings on December 7th, which is today, and you see the Jets in first place, you see the dis- you know the lineup that the defending cup champions Colorado Avalanche are trotting out tonight with the injuries they have. I don't think it's out of the question with the way that they're playing, assuming, you know, assuming Hellbuck stays healthy, which is why we have him in the hard conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, it's still early. There's still a lot of hockey left to be played. But the start that this Winnipeg Jets team has had, I think, has exceeded even the most optimistic projections so far. And so much of the credit goes to Rick Bonus. And we're going to talk about that with Sean Reynolds, and we'll certainly get to that uh, with um, with Murad as well. But a big part of last night was the return of Paul Maurice. And I was not shy about saying, Remo, I really wanted to see the Winnipeg Jets win this game. Um, and it was clear that so did the guys in that room. And... You know, we'll hear from Mark Scheifele in a minute, but man, did he have a big game. And listen, the goals were one thing, but his level of engagement for a 200-foot game, the work that he's putting in in his own end continues to shine. And the example that he's leading with right now, um, you know, we said that he could be the biggest agent of change when it comes to what happened last year going into this season. He said all the right things in the summer going into training camp, but the proof was going to be in what we saw on the ice so far this year. And 
I thought last night was a perfect example of the player that he has been pretty much from the drop of the puck this year. And, you know, outside of the brilliance of Hellebuck, which has pretty much been consistent over the last number of seasons, Mark Shifley has been a difference maker, both on the ice, seemingly off the ice right now, and a big part of why this team woke up in first place today. Yeah, I mean, Connor Hellebuck, what can you say about this guy? As I said just before, if he can see the puck, he's stopping it. Um, he's been a top goalie in the in the league for a number of years now. And I think last year, they were just allowing so many high-danger chances. I mean, some of them are going to go in. Uh, they've cut that down. And some nice graphics by Marty Buran during intermission showing uh, the stat goals saved above expected. And he's, you know, among leaders in the league. If not, I believe he was uh, number one. So he's up there for Vesna. And when you have a goalie who's that strong combined with the forwards, um, who can score like they can, and Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. Um, you, you know, you have Josh Morrissey playing. Playing. There's so many things coming together now, uh, putting pushing the Jets up to first place. And and I agree. Even even the most optimistic would have never seen this coming. And this is a lot like uh, Cal- Calgary from last year. You know, two years ago they had the disappointment. Last year they're up to first place. And then same with the Jets. Last year they had the disappointment. And this year. Uh, first place. Um, well, and listen, we spent so much time talking about moves that we expected to happen that didn't mm-hmm. and sort of said tongue in cheek that if this team was going to be a playoff team this year, that Rick Bonus is going to have to be a miracle worker. And I don't know if we want to categorize yes. this as a miracle right now, but we're in mid-December right now getting ready for Christmas and the Winnipeg Jets are in first place. One of the other things that was a big part of last night's win, Reem, and it was very interesting seeing Paul Maurice and Jamie Compon on the other side of the ice or the other bench was the Jets' power play. And listen, the power play's had some ups and downs so far this year. And we'll get into this with Rennie in a few minutes. But I thought last night was a perfect example of how the Winnipeg Jets special teams and in particular power play unit have grown under this new coaching staff. And th- not only the puck movement, but the player movement that they had last night leading to a couple goals. And Blake Wheeler, who at the beginning of the season was not on that number one power play unit, has come back in. But, you know, unlike previous seasons, where essentially it all went through Blake Wheeler on the half wall, certainly last night he was playing a different role. And you've got a big 26 in front of Spencer Knight or Bobrovsky or whoever the goaltender is. Um, You know, it certainly is something that, you know, I, I, listen, he's a great net foot presence on that, but also has the ability to move outside when the play dictates and do some of those things that has made him so successful in jet power play in the past. And I love the way they moved the puck around last night. And I, I just, there was a moment where I was sitting with my, uh, my pal Murray watching the game. And I said, this is like night and day from what we saw at times last year when the jet power play, despite all that talent was just completely stagnant and at times lifeless. And Again, coaching is a big, big part of it. It was a huge topic yesterday. And as much as we talked about Maurice, credit to both Rick Bonus and his staff with the job that they've done special teams-wise and um, the number of different players that are contributing. Yeah, well, I like what they've done with the power play. I mean, you got the two the two shots in Shafley and Connor. I mean, they're pretty dangerous. So you see other teams where they have, you know, the I call it dueling barrel, uh, one-timers, the guys on their off wing, Shafley, the right-hand shot, Connor the left Morrissey up top. And um, I, I know I, it was just so obvious what they were doing for so long. They know that they need to move the puck quick, shoot the puck quick. Also not stay still and move around, try to give different looks. And um, 
you know, Rick Bonus came in the beginning of the year, improving the power play was one of the areas where he thought they could be better. And like he went through a list of areas where he thought they could be better, and they've been better in all of them. Um, you know, just what off ice, you know, defensive strategies, penalty kill. Um, and you hear from the players saying they know exactly what is expected of them when. And it's just such a difference from last season. It's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty um, crazy to just see with the same, with pretty much the same team, but you, you could argue even less talent without Cop and Stasny, although Perfetti is playing a, a pretty big role. But um, it's, it's pretty wild to watch this in real time right now, based on where we were last year and where we are right now. Well, and of course, and listen, I mean, we try not to spend uh, so much time. Sometimes it's hard not to, you know, talking about previous seasons and the Maurice era. When we look back to last season, I mean, essentially from the 17th of December, I write the rest of that season off. I mean, you know, the way things went down with Mo leaving and Dave Lowry coming into, I mean, pretty much a no-win situation uh, with Adam on the team. I mean, it was awkward. Um, it didn't work. But, I mean, going back to the Maurice era, or even just the last season plus the half of last season that he was here, how many things have changed right now, not to mention the atmosphere around and how much fun these guys seem to be having. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to hit Sean with this uh, in a few minutes, talking about, you know, the guys that have had the most role in changing. Uh, and I think Mark Shifley is at the top of that list um, with the way that he's played for the full 200 feet. I mean, he's never going to be a Selkie candidate, but his level of buy-in and commitment to doing what he needs to do to, you know, help his team win games has been evident right from the get-go and um, was very much on display last night. And then the aforementioned Blake Wheeler. I mean, the way Wheeler has handled what he was served up with before training camp began um, and the way that he's played, the way he's been part of the team, the way that he has had none of the negative effects that you think could be possible when, you know, a move like that is made by a brand new head coach and the guy's producing as well at nearly a point a game. So uh, overall, heck of a game last night. But, you know, the one guy we didn't mention or you did quickly, Remo, was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, it's funny seeing a guy like Matthew Kachuk on the other side of the ice who is such a known pest and an agitator that draws a lot of penalties, takes a lot of penalties, and, of course, did take one in a bit of a cheap spirit of Brendan Dillon uh, earlier on in the game. Dubois is like that, maybe not quite to the extent that Matthew Kachuk is, uh, but he had a quiet, workmanlike three-assist performance having a major impact on all of the first three Jets' goals, including the winner on Kyle Connor's second in the second period. Oh, yeah, and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, he's really filled a hole that the Jets um, you know, the Jets had. A center who's tough to play against, who pisses off the other team, and now he's scoring points at a rate um, the highest in his career has a uh, point per game, 25 points in 24 games. Um, he's ready for a career 1.04 points per, points per game average, but, you know, previous high 0.74. Reuniting him with Kyle Connor um, seems to have worked uh, pretty well also. And um, we we're going to have to start the questions, Hess. You know, he's entering, he's RFA again after this season, and you have to wonder if the team winning um, you know, him playing such a big role makes it more desirable for him to stay. I think that's kind of a story you don't really it's certainly want not to... hurting. Yeah, it's certainly not hurting. And, you know, for all the doom and gloom of which I had plenty of throughout the offseason and all the rumors about Montreal and the fact that you know, they kind of floated out through Elliot Friedman that they, you know, would not be signing an extension. 
I mean, I really do think that a lot. I, listen, who was going to sign an eight-year extension with the team coming out of the no season that they just had? Absolutely no one. And the fact of the matter is they had time to turn this thing around. Right now, it seems like it is turning around. He's having a big, big role on it. And I think it's a night and day atmosphere around this team. The fact that they do like each other, they are having fun, and they're winning hockey games. And I don't think there's anything that could help the Winnipeg Jets' chances of keeping Dubois here on a contract extension more than what is happening right now. Um, so we'll talk about that with Rennie as well coming up in a few minutes and looking forward to hitting that with Marat a little bit later on. But let's get to some of the audio from last night. And Remo, this is something that a lot of people have been talking about. I'll be honest, I have not heard this yet because I was at the game in attendance. But we played Mark Scheifele's comments yesterday about Paul Maurice's return. And I mean, it was you know, he wasn't given much out. I mean, it certainly wasn't seemed to be a special night as far as a welcome back. If anything, I think we saw as determined to Mark Scheifele we've seen as a long time. And by the way, Isha Boy Bruce mentioning in chat that Nate Smith, uh, Nate Schmidt did give a uh, a bit of a uh, crack about the 200-foot game to Mark Scheifele as he got the jacket last night celebrating the win in the dressing room. But Mark Scheifele did talk to John Liu at the intermission and, of course, was uh, asked a little bit about the return of Paul Maurice. This is the way it sounded last night on TSN. When uh, your former coach, Paul Maurice, was getting a standing ovation from the home crowd, uh, what went through your mind as he was your bo bench boss for the better part of your career? Yeah, obviously weird that he's on the other side, but, um, you know, uh, you know, great ovation. And, um, you know, now back to hockey. You know, it's a, it's a big game for us, and, um, you know, we want to be at our best. So, you know, now that that's over, we can, uh, we can go to play hockey and just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, yeah, didn't have a lot of time for that one. And uh, that was a guy that was focused in, um, laser focused on uh, on the game, certainly had the goal early on, but uh, didn't really want to go there and did all of his talking on the ice last night to the detriment of Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers. You saw the highlight reel goal on that second one, and he's got this great shot. And Rick Bonus was asked, he said, yeah, I'm telling him to shoot. You got the shot, use it more. And I think last year, um, Mark Trifle was more of a, pass first player and but uh, he really seems to be ripping it. and again the other the shot against uh, I think it was Stolarz on Anaheim um, I mean what a what a beautiful placement in the top corner there so he's he's really uh, shooting pretty well here yeah listen we'll get to Bones in just a second but here's one more from Scheif um, on the big topic around last night's game uh, Paul Maurice's return and uh, he was asked about the uh, ovation um, to Paul Maurice uh, in the winner's circle after the game. Paul got a nice ovation from, from the crowd but I'm wondering if there was some added motivation for you guys on the bench just given what, what unfolded last year. Yeah for sure that's a you know I'm not, I'm not gonna lie that was a that was a that was a good win uh, in my books um you know, pretty happy with that one. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, we know, you know, we moved on. We, you know, we were a different team this year uh, than we were last year, and um, you know, it's been been exciting for a lot of us. You know, I think you see the rejuvenated, you know, faces in this room. You know, you know, Bones has really been on us a lot. You know, each and every day, whether it's a good game or a bad game, he's he's always looking to help us, and I think it's been. You know, it's been awesome for me. It's been awesome for a lot of us that, you know, we're being challenged or, you know, we're being pushed to, to, to reach our, you know, full potential. And I think that, that, that does a lot for our team. Now, listen, I'm not going to interpret that as shade at all, but Remo, it certainly does show that this team uh, is determined. They have moved on, as Mark Scheifele mentioned. 
Um, but even he had to admit that um, that was a pretty nice win for the club. And I think it meant a lot to players starting with the guy we just heard from. Yeah, good win in my books, uh, Hustler. That's <laughs> what, what he said. So you can take that to mean. And he didn't throw any you know shade directly at at Paul Maurice, but he said it was, you know, it seemed to really mean a lot to get the win, uh, to score two goals, and then went on to talk about how they're a different team and how uh, Rick Bonus has done such a great job bringing them together. And you've heard, you know, since training camp, and we've talked about this uh, so much, but I mean, how can you not, uh, you know, praise a team on, on what they've done? So this is, um, I mean, it's great, great to see. And we got a two, a couple, two, couple great games uh, in the division uh, Thursday, Friday with St. Louis and. Uh, Chicago. Well, you know what? Listen, just before we hear from Rick Bonus, let's fire up the why not question of the day because I mean, so much talk about the coaching change, the new atmosphere and attitude around the club, and the accountability that Rick Bonus has been able to um, instill in this team and the results that have followed. Listen, I think there's a lot of people that have their hand in this turnaround right now. But I'll put it this, if you take Rick Bonus out of the equation, because I think he's obviously the number one on the list, who, in your opinion, has had the biggest role, both on and off the ice, with this Winnipeg Jets team in buying in and helping create the culture that the Winnipeg Jets have right now that is resulting in the play we're seeing on the ice right now? Hit us up in the comments uh, in the chat. And, of course, you can also hit us up in the comments on the YouTube uh, program for today if you're watching this a little later on. Yeah, I know we got to get to Rennie, but we did have some Jets um, roster news. Uh, Svechnikov from the Sharks and Tononato cleared waivers today, uh, and the Jets just announced Tonato assigned to the Moose. And you do wonder if that clears room for them to activate Logan Stanley. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens further, but we were wondering what would happen with Tonato. I thought maybe Colorado would pick him up because Nathan McKinnon, he's out for four weeks and he did play there before, but no, uh, <clears throat> they'll go with their lineup against, against well, uh, the Flyers. We'll hit that. I mean, yeah, the later. new we'll- lock shop out today, uh, which I did with Dustin Nielsen uh, about an hour ago before we got on, by the way, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Once we get to a thousand followers, we're going to give away a thousand dollars to one of our followers. But, um, we went through the lineup for the Avalanche tonight. They're hosting Boston. It's bad, man. Uh, dude, there are a bunch of guys that I have never heard of before and could not pick out of a police lineup if I was going to be paid to do it. So um, they're in a, they're in a spot right now. Um, so let's hear a little bit of this of uh, of Bones before we get to uh, get to Sean Reynolds. Um, and certainly, I mean, as much as we were talking about Paul Maurice and you know the return of the former coach. For Rick Bonus, he wanted a much better start, and he said as much after the game against Anaheim um, that he, and you could tell how off-put he was by the way his team came out. That was not the case last night, and I don't think anyone expected it to be. Uh, Bones talked about a much better start for his club last night against the Panthers. Yeah, that was that's the first period we wanted to have. Um, you know, we, we could have had four goals. Yeah, we missed some great opportunities and give them credit for defending, but that was the... That's the way we want to start games on our toes. We want to, anybody comes in here, we want to set the pace and we don't want to sit back and let the opposition come in here and dictate the night we dictated the first period. Well, they certainly did. A bit of a bounce back from the Panthers in the second, but again, Connor Hellebuck stood tall. Uh, but, you know, Mark Shifley had two goals. So did Kyle Connor last night, and he is now heating up after. An incredibly slow start for Kyle Connor's standards. And uh, Bones talked a little bit about KFC and how he's heated up after uh, struggling to light the lamp in the first dozen games of the season. 
Because you got to remember, there's early in the, those first ten games, he was getting great eight chances. So it's, it's not like he was playing; he was playing great. Just wasn't getting points, wasn't getting goals. And all we said, we keep encouraging, just keep doing what you're doing. Eventually, though, there's they're going to go in, and things will change for you. But it, it wasn't like he wasn't getting opportunities every game. He was getting three, four great A's. So just stay in the fight, keep doing what you're doing, and eventually things will turn. All right. Now, uh, as much as uh, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley were uh, front and center last night, um, death taxes and Connor Hellebuck coming up with huge performances for the Winnipeg Jets. And last night was no different. Bones talked about his all-star netminder and his contribution to last night's win. He makes timely saves. And in the second period, remember, we're, uh, we're certainly not happy with the second period. We bent. We didn't break. Uh, and a lot of that is Connor. So he made the, th- there's, you know, I always say there's timely saves, timely goals, and he was making the timely saves for us. Um, he's just, just a tremendous competitor. And uh, he, he, every time he's making those big saves, you can hear the bench saying, way to go, way to go. And like they're, you know, uh, they have so much confidence in him. Um, but, and they, but they, by saying that, they realize he just made a big save at the right time. And uh, so good for him. All right, there is Rick Bonus on Connor Hellebach. I've certainly heard that quite a bit, and that's uh, music to everyone's ears in Jetland. Um, and as we mentioned, woke up in first place. Pretty nice spot to be. Rick Bonus uh, was asked about uh, how closely he pays attention to the standings. I talk about well, that's what we're here for standings you got to make the playoffs so you got to pay attention to the standings that's what we're here for and we we talked about that today you know so uh, for the guys that were here last year and um, he missed the playoffs or do you, and that's got to be your motivation going into this year okay you you want to be here fighting for first or you want to be here fighting for your life and the guys are enjoying for that fight for that first place and we're we're going to try we're going to stay in that fight for the top the top position in the division and if not the top three we're going to stay in that fight well pretty nice spot for his winnipeg jets right now waking up in first place the top of the central Tied with the Dallas Stars in points, but with two games in hand, 16-7-1 on the season. We'll continue the Jets conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me, coming up in just a second with Sean Reynolds and Marana Tesh of The Athletic a little later on. Folks, don't forget, this is our last non-marbles show for a while. The Consolidated Supply Marbles Holiday Tournament of Champions begins tomorrow. If you're listening on the podcast Set a little alarm on your phone to maybe pop in on YouTube around 2.45 if you're not able to join us live throughout the entire show. Enter for free. All you got to do is be subscribed to the YouTube channel. Our first of 12 qualifying races for the championship race, which is going to take place on December 30th, goes tomorrow. And if you missed it, our great friends and sponsors at Consolidated Supply are providing a pair of bomber season tickets for 2023 for the winner that will be crowned in our final act of Winnipeg Sports Talk business of 2022 on the 30th of December. So make sure to see you tomorrow. And hey, if you're thinking about the holidays or plans for next season, check out what Consolidated has going on at cte.ca. You can pop down and see them open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East. Tell you what, I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't mind having a hot tub right now, considering how damn cold it is right now. An incredible selection of hot tubs, as well as things you can look forward to next year. Outdoor kitchens, 
landscaping options for your backyard, and of course, everything golf, including golf carts, including ones that you can trick up yourselves. Find out more. Spicy Joe and the gang are waiting for you at Consolidated Supply over at 1395 Niagara Road East. And looking forward to probably tomorrow announcing our first unsung hero winner in our program with Wallace & Wallace. As we've teamed up with Wallace & Wallace and Josh Morrissey in support of the Dream Factory to recognize some of the unsung heroes in Manitoba quietly going about their business, making our community a better place. And we need to hear from you folks. Give us your nominations of someone in your life, in your community, that's making a difference. And if we pick them from our entries each month, they'll get an autographed jersey from Jetstar defenseman Josh Morrissey. And even better, you as nominating that person will be making a $500 donation to the Dream Factory courtesy of Wallace and Wallace and then Josh and Margot Morrissey will be matching that as well. So $1,000 to the Dream Factory, a great charity that Josh is very much involved in and we get to recognize some incredible community citizens. So whether it's someone working, uh, you know, at the community center, with the minor hockey programs, whether it's someone doing extra work at a school with after school stuff, whether it's someone making a difference charity-wise or just being a helping hand for neighbors, we need to hear from you. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com, and we'll let you know our first winner of the Josh Morrissey autographed jersey coming up later on this week here on WST. Hey, the holidays are here, of course, and if you're looking for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, Vita Health has you covered and with the holiday season here, why not give the gift of health? So many great gift options for your loved ones, including essential oils, candles, artisan soaps, bath bombs, lotions, chocolates, you name it. And you can also stock up on some of your favorite holiday food items like stuffing, cranberry sauce, non-alcoholic wines and drinks, plant-based turkey options and more. And you can also order pre-order your natural free-run turkey in-store today. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Uh, and hey, shout out to Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery. This is a perfect time to remind you that uh, you better have a battery that works in this Winnipeg winter. Got down to minus 34 last night, I think. It's warming up for the weekend. Um, but hey, Folks, you need a battery that works. If you're wondering where your battery is at, you can just pop by Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan, and the gang will help you figure out whether it's time to replace it or not. And if you already know that the time is now, save time and money by letting Manitoba Battery deliver the battery right to your door. All you need to do is order online or by phone, and they'll have their battery to you the same day as long as the order's in by 3 p.m. It's that simple. There's only one place where you can buy a battery from the comfort of your home and save money while you do it. And that is with Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery. Give them a buzz. Pop into 1026 Logan or find them online at manitobabattery.com. All right. Let's keep the Jets talk going. Coming off last night's big 5-2 win over the Florida Panthers. And welcome in. One half of Kenny and Rennie, our pal Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Rennie, what's up? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I'm slowly getting back onto the uh, the central time zone. I know we've made a lot of jokes about time zones in the past, but I got to tell you, the nine-hour difference coming back from Qatar is uh, is something I was 
I was feeling it last night at the rink when the puck dropped and my body clock was still at about 4 a.m. But uh, being said, it was a pretty fun game to get me through it. And uh, the fans sure loved it. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I feel your pain when it comes to that, like, intercontinental travel. I've always heard it's worse going. So, like, if you head over to Europe, you really get nailed. And it's a little bit easier to come from Europe and go to uh, North America. But when you're kind of, like, right on the other side of the world, I don't think it matters which way you go. You're screwed one way or the other. So, believe me, I went to Finland one year. And I was there for nine days. And by the, the eighth day, I finally started being able to get to sleep at a reasonable time. And then I had to come back here and do the whole thing all over again. So uh, it's misery. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, listen, I'll take it a million times. That was the trip of a <laughs> lifetime and doing the show at 10 p.m. And whatever needed to happen to get there and see Canada at the World Cup was well worth it. But that being said, uh, it was nice to be able to watch hockey games not at four in the morning. And we had quite a tilt last night, which with a ton of anticipation for obvious reasons with the return of Paul Maurice. Let me just ask you this before we get to last night's game and what happened on the ice. What um, you were around all day yesterday, what did you make of uh, what we heard from the Winnipeg Jets and the way the team approached it, in particular, some of the long-serving members of the team, i.e. Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler had to say before uh, they met their old coach? Yeah, I think it was interesting. If you fast forward to the game and the acknowledgement of Paul Maurice on the bench, you'll notice at some point, you know, he's waving up to the crowd. He's looking up at the Jumbotron. He's got his arm around Jamie Compon. And then he has a look over towards center ice and he gives a little head nod and a point. And I was like, oh, I looked over and there was Blake Wheeler kind of standing at center ice, getting into a place where you could tell he was making sure that he was acknowledging Paul Maurice and having Paul Maurice see that he was acknowledging him. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I looked to see where, where Mark Shifley was and Mark Shifley was sitting on the bench with his back kind of turned towards the uh, the uh, bench of the Florida Panthers. Now, I don't know if it had anything to do with him doing up his skate or whatever, but no doubt in that moment, Blake Wheeler was going out and trying to make a show uh, of, of appreciation and acknowledgement, and there's no doubt Mark Shifley was not going out of his way to do that. And then, so if we go back then to the pregame comments, it was interesting because... You were talking about the interview that he had with John Liu in the first intermission of the game. He was asked about it, and it's almost like he's going out of his way to to not talk about that situation. And that's what we saw in the morning. I thought it was really interesting. He was asked in the uh, in the scrum, Mark Shifley was, uh, you know, what kind of uh, welcome do you think he's going to get by the fans? And he said, well, I don't know. That's kind of up to the fans, and that's an easy way for for an athlete to kind of dodge those questions. So I said to him, well, Mark, what kind of reception do you think that he should get? And his response was, well, well, I don't know. I I, I guess I, I don't know. I, it's up to the fans again. But this is a guy who's going out of his way to not say something nice about a coach who had, you know, a major, major impact on his career. If anyone's missing it here, Mark Scheifele is not happy with the way things ended, and his relationship with Paul Maurice is not in a good place right now. After he talked, Blake Wheeler came out and said, you know, like this team hadn't made the playoffs before he came around. He set, and I, I think this is interesting. I think that maybe Blake Wheeler absolutely pinned the tail on the donkey with this one, saying um, what Paul Maurice did was put this, organization in a place where it believed it was a winner 
and came to the expectation that it should be a winner. Because I do think that's what we've seen from the Jets. They got to the point they made the playoffs in 2015. They rebuilt but kept pushing their way to get back there, got there in 2018. And even though I think a lot of things went wrong under Paul Maurice's uh, tutelage over the last number of years, the one thing this team always seemed to have was this ability to kind of get itself over the line until last year. Uh, so that was an interesting way to put it, but quite the contrast between the two players that I think of most as associated with the Paul Maurice era Winnipeg Jets. Well, and, and just specifically to Shifley, I mean, I know he and uh, some others from uh, the Jets camp wanted to make it seem like it was just another home game in the middle of December yeah. and one of 82. It was very clear that that was not the case. And I would say that the performance of Shifley was maybe the best example of that. Now, listen, he's raised his level of play and his level of commitment to both ends throughout the season. Uh, but, man, I couldn't help but focus in on him last night, and I really thought that was a statement game, not just a statement to himself and his teammates, but to the guy on the other side of the rink. Yeah, I went as far as saying to me it felt like a revenge game. With the way that he was, you know, as icy as he was in his comments beforehand, he said as much Huss afterwards that, you know, that game meant something. Uh, he wanted to go out there and he wanted, I think, to show uh, what he keeps talking about all the time, Huss, and that's he's every chance that he can get. So he wouldn't take the chance to talk glowingly about Paul Maurice. But every chance he has, he talks glowingly about his new coach, Rick Bonus. And I think that this was just, an, I think he took this as an opportunity to kind of take a look at the guy, you know, sitting behind the other bench and say, hey, look at this. This is what I look like when this guy is running the show. Yeah, I can still score, but I can play defense too. And I'm great on the power play. This is everything is all in, you know, wrapped up into one package here. And this guy over here is getting it out of me. I think, you know, if you don't want to put a negative spin on it, I'm not, I don't think that we should. I, I'm not trying to put a negative spin on it. If you want to put a positive spin on this, though, this was Mark Shifley going out and showing the world and everybody who's listening what he looks like under Rick Bonus and what Rick Bonus has done for his game. Yeah, I, listen, I, I completely agree on that. And listen, the Jets have had a lot of things go their way so far this season. And hey, they're waking up in first place. But I have to think that considering the way the weekend went and the underwhelming game against Columbus and the really poor start and what Bones had to say coming out of the Anaheim game, the timing of Paul Maurice's return was exactly what the doctor ordered for the Winnipeg Jets because they were dialed up and they were ready to go right from the drop of the puck in that first period. Yeah, now I think regardless of what happened, there was going to be a really good start to that game. They could have been playing anyone. Rick Bonus was demanding, demanding a good start. And I think that Rick Bonus does a good job of getting his point across. Now, I can say that, and I can also say I didn't think the Jets played very well against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who came into that game 30th overall in the league. And then they seemed to get even worse against the 32nd overall team in the league. So it, I can say that, you know, he gets his point across, but clearly he hadn't in those two games. But I do think that in that game with the Ducks, he gave a very steady dose of the bottom six and the bottom six is who got them back into that game. And I think there was a feeling within that top six that, listen, if we don't pick up the ball and run with it and start putting an effort in here, this is the kind of coach who's going to make us pay in our ice time, in our opportunities. 
Um, and so I think the message was there. I was completely and fully expecting a really good first period out of the Winnipeg Jets, and I expected that because Rick Bonus loves to say this. He's not asking this from his players. He's demanding it of them, and no doubt he made a point of demanding and saying this team needs to be better at the start of games. Uh, I love that line where he said it was not right. It was not right for the Winnipeg Jets to come out. He was out. offended. He was literally he was offended. offended by that. Exactly, exactly, and and I, I think that that's the right way to be. You treat the game with honor. Yeah, they're the 32nd overall team, but you don't come in and lay an egg against them. And so it's, I keep using the analogy. It's like the old rabbit, uh, sorry, uh, the hare versus the tortoise kind of thing, right? And that's the episode of the, the tortoise versus the hare that happens a couple races before the hare actually gets caught. Well, the Jets being the hare, and they've done this for years and years, whenever they got caught, it was they got caught in the playoffs, right? But they get away with it. They've got away with it a lot in the past. Um, and, and I love the fact that the Jets have a coach that acknowledges that, that it's a problem. Because if we're talking contrast between the two coaching staffs, and I said this before, that last game against, uh, against the 32nd overall Anaheim Ducks is the kind of game that Paul Maurice would have celebrated for the stick-to-itiveness of the stick-to-itiveness of the Winnipeg Jets, for staying in the fight, all these kind of things, we would have heard praise for the Winnipeg Jets in that game. And I think that Rick Bonus's way of doing this is a good way of nipping that in the bud. Yeah, well, I mean, you can stay in the fight, but um, it's best to show up for the fight when it actually starts. And the Winnipeg exactly. Jets did that last night. Um, you know, let's talk about the power play for a minute. And I have to admit, and again, it's maybe hard to not compare what we're seeing right now with what was in the past, considering it was Paul Maurice's team yesterday, but uh, that was in town. I could not help watch the Jets power play and see the quick puck movement, but also the movement of the personnel yes. on it. And just how much of a contrast that was at times to the Winnipeg Jet power play in the last couple of seasons when it got really stagnant. And special teams is so important, Sean. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about five on five, but I mean, the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs in a number of cases is how teams do at five on four or four on five. And uh, interested in your thoughts on the, the growth of the jet power play as currently constructed right now under bones. Well, the, the power play fascinates me because they've essentially gone back to the old power play unit from a number of years ago, right? And they've gone back to Blake Wheeler on the half wall. And at one time, that power play was one of the most dangerous in the league. And then it got a little more stagnant, a little more stagnant, a little more stagnant, and became this power play that was really good at possessing the puck on the perimeter, um, but never kind of getting it in there and never really getting a shot on net. You talked about not just moving and snapping the puck around quickly, which they were doing, but the movement that existed in the power play. I think in years past, we've seen that power play snap the puck around quickly, but the movement part was always missing. And I remember I always used to watch because the Tampa Bay Lightning employ the very same power play, one on top, one down by the net, and three stacked in the middle, right? And Kucherov is usually in the spot where, where Blake Wheeler is. And I would watch that power play, and I would see it's the same power play that the Winnipeg Jets are using. Using, 
except they would get so much movement in between those three stacked middle players. So Braden Point would be in the slot and Kucherov would be in the boards where you typically see Wheeler. And then all of a sudden they would rotate in a big round circle and suddenly Braden Point would be on the boards and Kucherov would be in the middle. But in that movement, that's where you confuse your defenders because they can't just stand and see a guy standing stationary on the boards and say, I can stand here and I've got everything covered. And I always thought to myself, this is what the Jets are missing is this little bit of movement. You still keep the same structure, but that structure is a moving, revolving structure. And so now that's what we're starting to see is that the Jets are getting things moving a little bit more and it's creating those openings. And this is the one thing you have to look at. Like Mark Scheifele, I don't even think has really got going on the power play yet. Pierre-Luc Dubois is, is, is going. That's great. Kyle Connor hasn't done what we've seen him do, but they're starting to get that success. We know that they've got a number of guys on this power play who, who can put the puck in the back of the net. And I thought Kyle Connor said it best after the game yesterday, like with all the guys that they have, they should be a top five power play in the league. I agree with that. Personnel-wise, the Winnipeg Jets should be going and putting their power play unit up against almost anyone in the league. So uh, I, I, Brad Lauer came in here. Um, it was his job to get this power play getting a, being a little bit more lively. I thought when they went back to the old power play unit, that they'd had in the years past that they were going to go back to something stale and it wouldn't work. But just like Shifley's game, just like the Shifley and Wheeler line, just like the power play, it seems old ideas when they're freshened up under this new coaching staff are new again. Well, and and I'll, I'll say this. I mean, certainly early on when the Jets, you know, had possession at the beginning of the power plays it wasn't Wheeler on the half wall where he'd always been he was in front of the net and the fact of the matter is Blake Wheeler he's a huge big body he's a great screen he does have good hands but then Sean as you mentioned when when the opportunity presented itself for there's a loose puck he could pop in and one of the other guys move out and you have that versatility or sort of the interchangeability if you will and to me if they're able to move the puck and the personnel to find openings, um, this power play is going going places, and that's very, very important if they want to continue their lofty spot in the central right now. Yeah, and the one last point I should make about this, and Rick Bonus touched on it after the game afterwards, is they're getting the puck to the net. And that was another thing that I thought that when their power play got stale in years past was one of the problems. It seemed like they were trying to pass the puck into the back of the net. How many people can remember a time that Blake Wheeler had to, I think he actually did it once last game, but had the puck in front of the net, perfect chance to score, and he'd try and pass it to a guy off to the side of the net, and he'd be either covered or the, the they wouldn't convert on the pass. And the entire building would just let this, oh, and like, shoot the puck. You'd start hearing that kind of stuff happening, right? The Jets wanted to pass it right into the back of the net. And I think part of that had to do with they they fell so in love with the way they were able to possess the puck and not turn it over that they didn't want to take a shot unless there was a wide open net because they didn't want to risk turning the puck over. Well, what I'm seeing from them and what Rick bonus was asking from them not too long ago was to get the the puck to the net, have the confidence that if you, if you do get it to the net, your guy, Pierre-Luc Dubois or the speed of Kyle Connor, or like you said, the big body of Blake Wheeler would be able to get that puck back and keep possession. Or if they do float it down the ice, have the confidence that you can go pick it up and gain entry and set it all up over 
over again. You can't. It's the old Wayne Gretzky adage: you you score on 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 zero percent of that or ninety nine or what whatever it is zero percent of the shots that you don't take. They needed to start shooting more, and we're, what we're seeing is we're seeing less of those cross ice no doubter empty net goals but we're seeing the kind of grinding goals like mark shifley's first yesterday where it's a little pass off to the side tap it into the side of the net those are power play goals the other stuff is going to happen against bad teams you don't score goals like that in the playoffs the jets are learning how to score the kind of goals that give them success in the second season well they're also scoring a couple that are bringing the fans out of the seats. I mean, Shifley second yesterday, that tic-tac-toe, yeah. the pass from Kyle Connor was absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, you know who quietly had a dominant game last night was Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah. I mean, three assists last night. I mean, this is the guy that, um, you know, he can be so impactful. And it was sort of funny. We were talking in the stands that you probably had two of the top five most hated players by opponents in the National Hockey League. Matthew Kachuk would be right up near number one. Uh, but we've talked before. I mean, I, I think you coined, what was it, an intelligent or a cerebral pest? Cerebral pest, yeah. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, he didn't really get engaged as much like that last night. But um, no. holy smokes, I mean, that's a total package. And, you know, I, I continue, and I'm sure we'll start talking about this more as we get through the season. If the success continues for the team and for Dubois playing with Kyle Connor. You'd have to think that at least the potential of getting Dubois to seriously consider staying here with a contract extension would increase. Uh, they, hey, if the Jets can have it, there there's no need for him to audition. The Jets want it. They like they 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 want it to the point they almost need it. And and it's a really I think tough situation going forward for a number of reasons, because like, look at how the Jets are doing now. Now, either the Jets are going to have like a really phenomenal year and Shifley is going to keep doing what he's doing. Dubois is going to keep doing what he's doing. Hellebuck's going to keep doing what he's doing. And they're all going to look around and say, you know what? We've got it pretty good here. We've got a pretty good team here. Why don't we all lock down long-term and take a long-term run at this, right? Like there's always potential for that to happen. But if, if you get the sense that Pierre-Luc Dubois is not going to stick around, it's a tough situation to deal with because, listen, the, where the Jets are right now, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff isn't going to be looking at trading Pierre-Luc Dubois at the trade deadline. It would be madness. And yet his contract's going to expire at the end of this year, and then they're going to have him under team control for one more year. And then he puts himself into a situation where if he doesn't stick around, now you're going into this last year of having the band together, and you really need to take a run. And you're probably looking at a situation where you got to take a look at Pierre-Luc Dubois and think, you know what? We have to consider him as our own rental because we're too good of a team not to take a run at things right now. And we can't lose a player like that. And they're not going to get equal value back for him unless they're going to trade for futures. So that is like not to you know throw out a uh, fly in the ointment. Everything's going good in Winnipeg Jets world right now. But we're now, what, a, a season and three quarters mm. away mm. from the entire, almost the entirety of this team's core potentially leaving the team, right? And that's that's something that Kevin Dayoff has to worry about, and I'm sure he's having sleepless nights already over that kind of stuff. I just think for the fans and even for the media as well, focus on what is happening right now because what's happening is clearly special, um, and those are, those are questions for another day. Well, and I'll just say this. I mean, I think the more success the team has, the better chance that they have to keep them. And, and listen, you know, we made the comparisons between Kachuk and Dubois on the ice last night. I think their situations are pretty much the same. I mean, going into next summer, 
I mean, I think Kevin Sheveldayoff's in the exact situation that Brad Treleving is in. They yes. need to know whether they're going to be able to to listen. They traded Patrick Liney for him. They cannot allow. They cannot just get one more year of Pierre Luc Dubois and have him walk at the end of uh, at the end of next season. And I don't yeah. think they would put themselves in that situation. So um, that's why I think this season is so crucial. And to be honest. Yeah why the start has been so important. I mean, listen, it's great for Jet fans to wake up and throw their app on and see the team in first place right now. But I think what it does to so many other situations around the team that were cloudy or murky at best going into the year, um, there's a lot of other trickle-down effects of the start and the success that the team's having. And certainly Dubois' situation, I think, would be right near the top of the list because, I mean, outside of Connor Hellebuck, I mean, I would imagine with his age, what they've given up, where he fits in, the connection with Connor, um, you know, that is right at the top of the list when it comes to um, figuring out what happens next season because I don't think you can have that drag into next year. Agreed. Yeah, you know, perspective is everything. And this this is an, uh, one thing about this that I find fascinating is the Winnipeg Jets for the longest time have thought they had a really good group that was capable of doing something. The players have thought that. We go back to two seasons ago in the offseason. Connor Hellebuck is saying they're a tweak away from not just a championship, but a dynasty. It sounded audacious at the time. And let's be honest, it was. But it doesn't mean that there isn't some truth to them having a great group. But the thing about this group where they got perspective is sometimes you got to fail before you succeed. And the Jets failed last year. The Jets, for, I think, felt a little bit embarrassed by how things turned out. It was ugly. It didn't go okay. So sometimes when you've experienced just how bad things can get, and I'm not saying it's like, you know, playing for the Anaheim Ducks right now and only having one win in, in regulation time. It's not that bad, but the Jets experienced what it was like to not be a very good team last year and feel that frustration and feel that embarrassment and get that kind of fire to be like, I know I'm better. I need to prove right. And, and I think what happens is the faith that they've had in their group is being repaid now by Rick bonus. Who's saying, yeah, you are a good group. And this is, if you play like this, you're going to show this way. So they're in a situation now where they know what it's like to suck and they know what it's like to be good and being good is way better than sucking. So if there's an opportunity to stick around here with a group that you know is good and now that you have a coach in place that has a system that works for your team, if these guys want a Stanley Cup, and they do. We know that these are the kind of like Blake Wheeler, we know, Connor Hellebuck, we know, Mark Shifley, we know. These are players driven to the very end goal and trying to win a Stanley Cup. I don't know how many of them are going to be able to look in the, at the end of this year to force a trade or or at the end of next year. I don't know how many places they're going to look around and be like, that place gives me just as good of an opportunity. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois is a little bit younger than the rest of them, but Mark Scheifele is definitely at the stage in his career. Blake Wheeler, I mean, it'll be, do I continue playing or not kind of thing. But Connor Hellebuck too, these guys are all of the age that they need to look and say, if I'm going to win a cup, the next couple of years are crucial. And so if, the, if, if Winnipeg is the best place for them to do that, it gives the potential for them to stick around. So I think you're right. And I think the point that you made that is really, really important. If the Jets would have stumbled out of the gate and had a bad year, things could be falling apart because all the issues that you're talking about right now that are pressing issues, but the Jets have been able to push to the back burner, would have been on the front burner at a roiling boil. And then maybe at that stage, Kevin Sheveldayoff is in a position where he needs to start taking action on changing this roster so that he doesn't lose future assets. Oh, exactly. I mean, listen, if you would reverse 
the record right now. And instead of being in first, you're near the bottom right now. I mean, it's oh, an entirely different story. And yeah, exactly. You're probably moving some of these guys earlier on. One other thing about this team um, that I think is, I mean, listen, it's fun to talk about, to be honest, considering what we've seen in the last couple of seasons. Like we've always heard about how close this group is and how they were. I honestly wasn't buying that. And I don't think a lot of people were last season. Yeah. It is a complete 180, and I'm not sure how much credit goes to the head coach, how much is it some of the players, the changes that they've made within the group. But winning is fun, and they seem to be having a lot of fun together. And if you want to keep a group together and have belief that something can happen moving forward, um, enjoying yourself when you come to work is an important thing. And I can't remember a team here in Winnipeg that has enjoyed playing with each other, at least from the outside, as much as this team has had right now. And a big part of it is winning, but also the work that's done to get to this point, to compete the way they have. And um, the results are following. So I think the players deserve credit for, for sticking together through t- tough times. That's the credit that they deserve. I think they were able to find a way through hard times and through not enjoying to play hockey, but still getting along with each other. So I give the players credit for that. They found value in each other as men and human beings and were able to use that to stick together. But their culture sucked. And I, I truly think that. I think their culture sucked. Like when you get into a situation where a number of years ago, your, your captain's first response after they get eliminated from the playoffs is to tell a me- member of the media to F off or F you is, is what was said. And there is no acting on that by that player or by the head coach or by the owner or by the general manager. That's a bad culture. There's There's... 120 other teams in professional major professional sports in North America. And somehow out of those four sports and 120 captains, those captains are able to get eliminated from a season without telling a media member where to go pound sand. You know what I mean? So, and then beyond that, I just think like the way it was last season, the way guys were finally coming out and expressing how they felt and the comments that we saw from Mark Shifley, like that was a bad culture. So I give the players credit for sticking around and sticking with each other through those tough times where they didn't seem to allow like hockey. But that to me is like 15% of the credit. The rest of the credit in my mind goes to Rick bonus and his coaching staff. They came in here and showed these players how to have a good culture, how to interact with each other, how to approach the game in a positive manner, how to approach the media and the fans in a positive manner. And that, to me, has made all the difference in the world. These guys were stuck with storm clouds over their heads, walking around everywhere they went, and he swept that away and brought in the sunshine, and it's entirely changed the way team this team has approached their interactions with each other, their interactions with the media, their interactions with the fan, and their interactions with themselves and how they approach the game. Rick Bonus has done a phenomenal job here. I, I think that like he's probably going to start getting, and if the Jets keep doing this, more Jack Adams consideration. But I take a look around, and I think, you know, what's being done in Boston by Monty. He's doing a really great job. Cassidy in Vegas, he's doing a great job. Even DeBoer in Dallas. But I don't think any of them cut, like, 
what the problems that the Winnipeg Jets had that Rick Bonus has taken on and I think is fixing at an alarming rate were rooted in this organization for a number of years. And he walked in and grabbed that weed and ripped it out, roots and all, almost like that. He didn't need to dig around it. He walked in and he got it done. To me, bar none, he is the Jack Adams front runner at this stage. Well, and, and you know what the ironic thing about everything that you just said, Sean? You know, they take the captaincy from Blake Wheeler. And, I mean, there were huge questions about Mark Shifley and where he was at, his commitment to the team. Did he want to be around here? For all of the the fact that they've sort of opened up the room, they brought more guys into the leadership group. The two most impactful guys this year when it comes to that buy-in have been Mark Shifley yes. and Blake Wheeler and the way yep. that he's handled everything around him. And exactly. I can't say enough. I can't say enough about the example of leadership that Wheeler's shown taking that step back. And I don't know, it seems like he's a freed guy uh, right now. Um, and the ironic thing is we wouldn't have thought that he'd be playing in the role that he is at the beginning of the season. And yet here he is right now, just shy of a point of game pace in a lesser role, allowing other guys to step up. And um it's all come together in a pretty special way for a team right now that's sitting pretty as we get into the holidays. Yeah, you're right. Not, I mean, th- listen, this was a tough situation. I had to sit down with Blake Wheeler at the beginning of the year. I sat and talked with him one-on-one. And given what had happened at that time, him getting stripped of the captaincy, you knew it was going to be a really, really tough time for Blake Wheeler. This guy's got a lot of pride. This is a guy who liked being a captain, who who uh, probably put a lot of stock into how he performed as a captain and probably held on to a lot of, you know, stuff. Inter- we know he held on to stuff internally because he talked openly at times about, like, how much the game weighed on him. Um, and, and I remember I said to him afterwards, uh, you know, and this was at that time, I wasn't seeing what was to come, his rejuvenated performance on the ice, all these things. And I said to him when we were done, when the cameras shut off, you know, I, I'd said, you know, Blake, I, I know that this is hard for you facing these kind of questions. I know it has to be hard. And I just think that you've handled it with an absolute ton of class. And and I think that, the, like, I go back to that. It, this was a tough situation. Not all of us have something happen in, in our jobs and it be publicly stripped away from us and have a million different people who are interested in your team weigh in on why that happened. And why I think it was a good thing. Well, I think it was a bad thing and all this kind of people debating he's out there and he's raw and he's exposed. And all of us, even right now are talking about this situation and that happening with him and that can affect a person. And he seemed to be able to find a way to handle that loss with dignity to still stay engaged, to not be spiteful, despite losing any of those things, to recommit himself to the kind of way he plays the game, to entirely buy into the system of the man who just walked in and stripped his C off of him and give him everything he has. You are absolutely right. There, This is, if for anyone who ever got in this situation, Blake Wheeler just wrote the textbook on how to handle this like a man and how to turn around and apply yourself to to put all of this behind you. Uh, You are absolutely right. Not enough can be said about his leadership. Um, And and again, I'll I'll turn this to Rick Bonus. Not enough can be said about how he walked in and handled (laughs) the situation. He walked into a, a, a room full of dynamite and it, the place was on fire and he put it out like that. I don't know how he did it. Good on him. 
congratulations to everybody involved. This is how you handle this, and this is why the Winnipeg Jets are where they are. Sean Reynolds is with us. Of course, you'll want to check out Kenny and Rainey after the games on the road trip. Just a quick look ahead. Uh, Chicago struggling, and uh, the St. Louis Blues have been maybe the streakiest team in the National Hockey League Boy. so far this year, and they're on another streak going the wrong way right now. This is a crucial yeah. time for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, that, that, that's a, this is a team that can bite you. Uh, you have to be careful with them, but they clearly are having some issues. Uh, I think losing David Perron was a huge, huge loss for that team. They, you know, a lot of their core now is fairly young with the Jordan Kairos and the Robert Thomases. That's who they are relying on. And the one thing that I always thought from uh, David Perron, we saw it with him in his couple of times with the Blues. We saw it from him, you know, pretty much when he was in Edmonton. We definitely saw it from him when he was in Vegas. He was the kind of player that always seemed to consistently come up at the right times. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and players like that, they're great players right now. They're going to be great players for years to come, but I don't think they have that yet. The Blues have switched over to me to a team that is a little bit young at their core, at their most important parts, and they're not able to kind of they haven't shown this year that they're able to handle the ups and downs. When they fall, they really fall. When they get streaky, you can see that momentum. Their goaltender uh, kind of spinning out of control every once in a while. The way Jordan Bennington has is, I think, a symptom of a team that doesn't have its focus locked in. Uh, but they're dangerous. We know they're dangerous. We know that they're capable of playing a, a really solid game, so you have to watch out with that. With Chicago, I'm looking at seeing the same thing I saw from them last time, and you talked about it before. Um, the an analogy I put is if you want to be the champ and you want to carry yourself like the champ, if you've got a boat coming up, and you're facing like an undercard kind of guy. You a don't want to let can. him hang with you. You don't want to let him hang with you and punch you in the face. And you don't want to leave the ring with a black eye, but you still pulled out the victory. You want to pummel that guy. They didn't do that against the Ducks. They didn't do that against Columbus, but they had done it last time when they played Chicago. I want to see the Jets get back to that. I want to see them handle the underlings out there the right way. Uh, and I'm sure uh, Rick Bonus will be on them to do exactly that. Rennie, great stuff. Can't wait for you and Kenny to fire it up after the game tomorrow night in St. Louis. And of course, Friday night against the Chicago Blackhawks before getting back home for the Caps on Sunday night. Thanks so much for doing this, pal. Anytime, my friend. All right, great stuff with Ren. Looking forward to he and Kenny getting her going on Thursday and Friday night on this quick back-to-back -back on the road in the Central Division for the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to continue talking Jets with Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Of course, why not question of the day? is up or welcoming in your thoughts on outside of Rick bonus, who has maybe been the biggest contributor to the change on and off the ice in the Winnipeg jets. In your opinion, hit us up after the fact, if you're watching this on uh, after the live show in the comments and of course chatters have your way with it as Marat joins us. Of course, Pretty cold outside, folks. I know many of you maybe have been putting off considering an upgrade in the vehicle. Maybe it's time to head on down to Not Auto Corp and talk to Trevor and the gang on uh, an improvement in the whip. Listen, if you are looking to upgrade a vehicle or just sell a vehicle, they've got an amazing consignment program that takes all the pain in the ass and the hassle out of it, and you can just sit back and wait for a nice check. And if you are looking for a new vehicle, the incredible selection on the lot right now at Not Auto Corp needs to be seen. And listen, if there's a particular make and model 
that you've got your heart set on, let the not experts source it, find it, and get it in, get it here and you into it at the best possible price. And of course, don't forget about their winter tire specials in the MPI payment plan. Why not get safe winter tires right now and pay later with Not Autocorp? Pop down and see in Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Well, geez, we're just a couple weeks away from Christmas. Of course, the Holiday Marbles Tournament of Champions begins tomorrow. Um, but if you're looking to save time and get some amazing gifts from the sports fan in your family, one stop is all you need down at Royal Sports, the sports superstore, 750 Pemina Highway. New reverse retro jerseys for the Winnipeg Jets. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise. I know I was getting some comments on that Jets golf shirt I was wearing yesterday. Picked that up at Royal a couple weeks ago. Uh, so much there waiting for the sports fan in the family. And of course, for you hockey players right now, great deals on equipment, sticks, and more with the million-dollar inventory that you know is always there at Royal Sports. Royal Sports, 750 Pamina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pamina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and great gift ideas. And speaking of gift ideas, guys, if you are thinking about maybe stepping up that wardrobe in 2023, why not let that special someone know that you wouldn't mind well, an F apparel gift card for the upcoming holiday season. They've got a great deal right now as well on gift cards. 15% uh, bonus. So you buy a $100 gift card and get 115 bucks. And of course, their custom suits begin at just $400. Pop down and see Andrew and his great staff at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find more about their holiday promotions or to make an appointment online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. All right, let's continue the Jets talk. Coming out of last night's big win. And welcome in our good friend, Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Murat, you look warm right now. And that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm grateful to be warm. I'm inside, got the toque on, I got the Under Armour, I got the big sweater. This is actually a gift from Fred Penner. Uh, he said to wear it in good health, and I have it because I am warm and inside instead of out there where the air hurts my face and I hate it. Um, welcome back, us, though. Welcome back. I'm sure you're you're coping a little more difficultly than, than I am. Well... I'll be honest, that was a bit of a real dose of reality coming out of the rink last night. Um, about a good 60 degree Celsius swing from what I was dealing with a few days ago till right now. But hey, it's great to be back and I wouldn't want to have been anywhere else in Canada Life Centre last night for what we knew was going to be a very interesting night. Um, Paul Maurice got a nice warm welcome from uh, the fans as one would expect. And then the Winnipeg Jets did what they came out to do, and that was uh, remind their old coach that they're a pretty good hockey team and they're playing some good hockey. And they did it right out of the gate last night in a 5-2 win over the Florida Panthers. Hey, before we even get to last night's game, what was your reaction? What did you make of what we heard from some individuals, particularly longtime Jets like Blake Wheeler and especially Mark Shifley, who for a number of reasons was the center of attention last night? Yeah, it seemed like... They were stopping uh, just a step short of heaping just all kinds of unrelenting praise upon their former coach. You know, I think that Paul Maurice maybe ran himself out of the opportunity for for that level of warm and fuzzy reunion by, you know, by the nature of his exit. And there's a lot of interpretation in that for me. I got to got to be honest. Clearly, Blake Wheeler and, he, and, and Maurice were close and um and, you know, Wheeler had said so many times throughout the years how much he admired him. I think he was the more complimentary of, of the two vets uh, in the pregame buildup. But Shifley, I think, you know, he had the interesting opportunity to say, 
um, you know, what what kind of reception Maurice, you know, would get. He said, well, you know, I don't know. It's up to the fans. And then, well, OK, what about what kind of reception he should get? Well, I don't know. It's up to the fans. And, you know, for a guy that has not hesitated to, to praise Rick Bonus and the improved communication and all the different things that have gone well in terms of Jets planning this year. And, um, you know, we've talked about all of that. He had the opportunity to say something warm about Paul Maurice on a tee. And, you know, he chose not to take it. And whether that's, you know, whether that's just being hyper-focused on the game, I don't think we can think that anymore because when the game was done, he said, well, yeah, it did mean a little bit extra to him. So the exact nature of the beef, who knows? But it's clear that not everybody was thrilled and sentimental that Paul Maurice was returning last night. And in and amongst it, I think we need to acknowledge that. You know, uh, I'll stop short of calling it an FU performance from Mark Shifley, but he did seem to really want to prove a point out on the ice last night. And it wasn't just the two goals. It was his commitment to doing everything he can to be a good teammate, take care of things of his own end. And even Nate Schmidt had sort of a crack about his 200-foot game when he got the jacket afterwards. Um, This was a statement performance from Mark Shifley, wasn't it? I think so. I don't know, like like you, I'm not I'm not sitting on the idea that it's you know necessarily an FU performance, but it must be one circled on the calendar. It must be one where there's just a little extra thought that goes into being dialed in and all of those sorts of things. So believe you me, Shifley was thrilled to score those two goals. He was definitely thrilled to win. I mean, he you know that's at the forefront of all of it, the two points and etc. But I think that there was a little extra jump in him, and right from you know early in the game. It was, you know, 200-foot play. I actually didn't catch what Schmidt said, so, I mean, we should talk about that. What did he say? What did Schmidt say? You know, I think it was just, I mean, Schmidt being Schmidt, um, yeah, you know, yeah, making yeah. crack. Like, hey, here's for the two goals and the 200-foot game. I'm, I think it was just sort of an inside That's... joke or maybe just acknowledging, um, you know, what he's done so far because, I mean, Murat, I put this out in the not question of the day, and I'm interested in your perspective on it. I mean, for obvious reasons, Rick Bonus has been the catalyst of all of this, and, Kevin Sheveldayoff looks like he was exactly right when he said that this is a seismic change for the organization. It certainly played out that way so far to this season as the Jets wake up in first place. But outside of Rick Bonus, for a coach that came in, removed the captaincy from Blake Wheeler, tried to make this a more about the team than at least the perspective that it was about a couple players in Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler in the past under Paul Maurice. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on who the guys are that have been the most impactful in embracing change and being the agents of change, if you will. Because to be honest with you, from my perspective, it starts with the two guys that I just mentioned. Shifley's <laughs> buy-in and the way he's played all season long and really embracing the challenges that Rick Bonus has done. And I can't say enough about Blake Wheeler. I mean, we talked about the way the way that this thing could go at the beginning of a training camp with a proud guy no longer being the captain and sort of taking a secondary role, contributing on the power play, playing back with Shifley again, which I don't think many of us thought was going to be happening anytime soon. Um, it couldn't have gone better, I think, for Wheeler. And I think he's really benefiting from it. But thoughts on those two players and maybe anyone else that has been a big part of what has been a complete 180 in so many ways. I mean, for me... Let's, uh, you know, going back to last year is kind of a, it's an adventure. We've done it. We've been it. We've been there. But Blake Wheeler being a bit of an island last year, maybe outside of he and Paul Stastny, I don't think that that's an overblown storyline. I don't think that that's, 
um, like this perspective that he was sometimes separate. I don't think that that's invented or any of these things. And um, to go from that to a loss of captaincy and to that loss of captaincy to being a contributing uh, on the ice member of the Jets to the degree to which I think that the, the Jets from top to bottom have said that they've felt heard, that there's space for everybody this year. I think that that shows a tremendous recognition. And almost we talk about night and day in terms of defensive commitment from Shifley. Well, it feels night and day in terms of what these guys are saying about how included everybody is and how on the same rope everybody's pulling. And because Wheeler as a person is such a big personality, like when he's kidding around, that takes up a lot of room in a joyful way. And when he's serious, that takes up a lot of room in a way that really makes things tense. And I think that, I think that you can rightfully point to him and the way that he's handled the way things have gone and say that this is somebody, I don't know how, I don't know what the details are, but who identified an improvement he needed to make in terms of how he contributed to the team. And it seems from afar, from outside the closed walls, um, the impressions that I get are that he's done that. And that should not get lost. And like you say, it's not getting lost. Uh, With Mark Shifley, it's an interesting one because if you're Rick Bonus, like I'm going to try to put on a cynical toque for a second. If you're Rick Bonus and you come onto this team and you know what Shifley's capable of offensively, you know who the drivers could be. Like he can do things that other players can't in terms of how many chances he creates for himself, his line mates, defensemen when he's on the ice. It's proven even in a bad year last year, he was doing all of those things, especially down the stretch prior to his injury. So you need, if you're Rick Bonus, you need Shifley more than almost any other skater, I think. And I think that the conversations that they had in terms of, you know, generating that buy-in, making sure that Shifley felt heard from the coach's perspective, um, and what Shifley keeps talking about in terms of coaching, teaching, and having plans and challenging him on things, they've found a harmony. And I think that it kind of goes back to Bonus in my way of thinking, but Shifley deserves credit for still creating all of those chances. And then sometimes, like sometimes he's chasing offense. And I think after two last night, he would have loved a hat trick. I absolutely think that there got, there's a little bit of excitement in his game for goals at a point last night. But also, mm-hmm. he's below the goal line, helping his defenseman um, as a release valve on the breakout. He's coming in. He's taking contact to make plays. He's finding safe spots on the other end of the ice. And multiple defensemen have told me specifically that Shifley has been particularly good at that this year. Rick Bonus told me that, that last night, that Shifley is often the example of how to play that help defense as the first forward back mm. that he shows. So he deserves a ton of credit. Not a perfect defensive player, still gets pretty happy when it's pond hockey time, but he's dialed in. And then I'm not going to go on the same length of rant, but Josh Morrissey deserves credit as well. Well, and, and listen, the season that Morrissey's having so far... I mean, it it can't be overstated how important he's been to the success of this team. And, you know, we can pick out the highlight reel plays, the overtime winners that, I mean, have a direct result of points in the standings. But the calmness that he's playing with right now for the full 60 minutes in every aspect of the game, I think has raised the level of every other guy on that blue line. Yeah, it's... It's a situation last year, and I talk about this sometimes, and I'm, I'm still looking for the best way to express it, but there are some players for me that when the game is structured 
and there our reads are predictable that their game really comes to the fore and there are players who also i think when the game is chaotic they can give it structure you know they can do that thing that nobody else Pierre-Luc Dubois can drive the puck to the net and even in a chaotic game at least you know what's going to come out of that play for example Winnipeg's defense last year was a whole bunch of disorder and I never felt like the players on the team were so good, so Bufflin-esque, let's say, that they cr- could create something from within it. And I look at Brendan Dillon as a key example of that, Nate Schmidt to a degree as well, where I, I had thought in better structure these guys would elevate. Um, and you're seeing that from those guys this year. Josh Morrissey has taken such a big step to me that no matter what's happening on the ice, I see him establishing that order. I see him being able to like impose his will on the game regardless of game state. And that's just a feeling in me, maybe. I don't know if it resonates from folks listening, but that's I think that gives me a confidence when he has the puck on his stick. And just as a as a fan of hockey, like forget the rest of what's going on on the ice every once in a while and just watch Josh Morrissey skate. Just watch him skate. You know, I guess I want to say um all four directions, front, back, and either side, but the whole any direction that he wants to move in right now, he's dancing. Those edges are, I don't know how to explain it, but he's moving like I don't know that I've ever seen him move. And that's a, that's a special, special player having a special season right now. Well, and another guy that's uh, having a great season at a perfect time considering his contractual situation is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who had sort of a quiet workman-like three-assist performance last night, being uh, getting on the score sheet on all first of the three goals, including the winner from Kyle Connor early in. And, You know, I was talking about this with Reynolds earlier, and I think we've talked about what happened in the summer and the fact that there was an extension. And listen, I don't think anyone should be surprised considering the way the season went last year. But I have to think, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, Murat, that the more success this team has, the more this team comes together, and frankly, the more fun that the players have being with each other and Pierre-Luc Dubois has being a Winnipeg Jet... I think really does improve the possibility of the Jets getting his name on an extension. Now, whether we're talking an eight-year deal, whether it's shorter like Patrick Laine signed, I mean, I think everything's up in the air. But are you with me on this, that th- that case is far from closed right now and the more success the Winnipeg Jets have, the better for the possibility of keeping him around beyond, well, this offseason? Because I think that if it's not happening, they're going to have to trade him this offseason. I mean, conceptually, yes. I like. I agree with the idea. The better things go, the more likely his odds of opening his mind up to an extension of some kind in Winnipeg have to get. And if we if we take away what his agent said, which is tough for me to do, and we take away signing the qualifying offer, which is tough for me to do, and you know, take away the idea that he's a year away from unrestricted free agency if he wants, and you just focus on what Pierre Luc Dubois has said. The only things he's truly insisted are that he's in wait and see mode. It's an enormous decision for him. Could be, a, you know, the most substantial years of his life personally and professionally. And he wants to take his time to make sure he makes the right decision. I am still a skeptic. I must be honest. But if you take him at face value, what he's saying is that he, he's in evaluation mode. And if you're looking at the Winnipeg Jets this season and evaluating them, well, I think that the returns are good. And I think of it. You know, you talk about how how much fun guys have, how much you know enjoyment they get out of just being in the in at the rink with their teammates, all of those sorts of things. I guess the closest analogy I can think of is is in a relationship. If every time you see somebody, it's miserable for you to see them, you're not going to want to be around. 
right? You, if you if you get that kind of joy level, if there's a um, you know a dynamic engagement and all of those sorts of things, and, and times are good in your life, I mean that's uh, that certainly helps the the, the long term commitment. And you know what, between his performance, the team's performance, the wins. Um, and the lighter, the lighter dynamic, I think, around the, the room right now, odds have to be better today than they were this summer. I don't know how good I'm willing to commit that they are, but they're better. today. I, I, yeah, I have to agree with at least that idea. Yeah. And, and I'll say this. I mean, worst case scenario that nothing's changed. Dubois has a monster season and goes for a point a game. I mean, the value of that asset when you do move it, um, you know, is better than it was at the end of last season. But I really do think, and the one thing about Dubois, um, he strikes me as a guy, or at least did in the summer, that, you know, sort of young and didn't really know, didn't spend a lot of time focusing on it. He had the famous line, I don't even know what I'm eating for dinner tonight. I mean, he is a guy that I think, I, I think a lot of possibilities are still open, shall I say. And you know what? Another monster season with Kyle Connor on a team that's winning, on a team that maybe can make some make the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs. I'm here for the argument that it's a different situation now and far more positive for the organization than it was at the end of last year. And frankly, I don't blame them for not wanting. Yeah. I, mean, I would not have been signing up for a long-term extension after last season, but, and this goes back to the bonus effect. I mean, the 180 both on the ice and around the team right now um, I really do think, and maybe I'm more being hopeful or wishful thinking, but that it will be impactful when it comes to a player like that. Because, you know, we talked to Bill Lindsay yesterday about Matthew Kachuk and the price that the Florida Panthers paid to get Kachuk and to get his name on a contract was significant. But he was described as somewhat of a unicorn, an incredibly talented player uh, that's tough, that's an agitator, that would be a great energy player. And then you have that elite skill and scoring potential Dubois has a lot of those characteristics as well. And the bottom line is he's very important to the Winnipeg Jets, and we all know what they gave up to get him here to Winnipeg. Um, but regardless of whether he's staying here or going elsewhere, that is an asset that would command, well, it commanded what it did from Columbus, and I imagine the same thing would be the case as long as it's not left right till the last minute. Yeah, I mean, the best-case scenario is that he's a great player who has a great season and that seems to be on on track and you know what Huss he can do it to my knowledge actually you know he's a pretty feisty guy but without egregious spearing stick fouls right yes. he can do it without the spears and the slew foots and uh, all the different things that Matthew Kachuk unicorn as he is I'm sure that his teammates love him um, you know he comes with that sideshow as well and, you know Dubois certainly doesn't um, now you, you just reminded me to kind of zoom out and think about these people as people a little bit more, right? I mean, at his age, he just turned 24 years old. You know, if you're older than 24 years old, think about all the times you changed your mind in life from that age forward into to the place where you sit now. I didn't know I'd be writing hockey for a living at 24 years old, for example. I mean, things change and you're you're open to a lot of different things. If Montreal is where this man dreams of playing, you know, and Montreal doesn't happen to have the cat room or cap room or the assets or, or whatever it's going to be. And things have gone particularly well for him here. And these connections are formed and he's been celebrated and he feels included. I mean, that's pretty power, powerful stuff sometimes. You know, I, I, I buy that to be sure. And just to, I mean, it's sometimes it's no fun when we just agree all the time, right? I mean, we got, I got to be angry, but 
as as in me angry, right? Um, the asset <laughs> is the you know I think everybody in the NHL would recognize the value of that asset at 24 years old, still growing, still aging, still maturing, um, and maybe I would say learning what he's capable of physically too. How long he's able to dominate the NHL physically? I don't know. Does that last until he's 30, etc.? But that's that's a lot of years from here on out still where you can count on him to be a very effective centerman. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us. Uh, great piece on uh, last night's game and the return of Paul Maurice in The Athletic. Make sure to check it out. As far as the team goes, Murat, waking up in, pretty, in first place is pretty sweet. Uh, by the way, folks, great uh, turnout here. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and uh, hit that thumbs up to help us uh, spread it out. Um, you know, you've got a team right now that wakes up in first place and, uh, I mean, continues to do what they need to do. They've had some ugly nights. They've bounced back consistently throughout the year. What what more is this team capable of, or at least what needs to happen to continue their lofty spot in the standings and start talking about, you know, legitimately at the end of the season being in the mix for first place as opposed to the first and primary goal, which was just to get to the playoffs? Well, for me, the big one is is consistency. Um I don't know if it's true because I'm not in the players' heads. And I don't know if it would be true statistically because good teams lose to bad teams all the time in the NHL. But there is a sense that every once in a while, it just feels like they start to buy into their own hype. They start to believe in themselves. And you start to see the pond hockey come back out. And we've only seen that a couple of times this season where you know they have a monster game, they beat a very good team, and then they come out and they lay an egg in the next one. I didn't like how they played against Columbus at all, for example, and that start against Anaheim was worthy of all the criticism that it got. Um, but Bonus and company were able to turn things around. And I, I keep saying Bonus, but the players deserve credit because they're the ones who are doing it. Um, and for me, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that this team will never have that slide because – Everyone outside of the absolute elites does at some point. But I think that the the challenge will be to continue to push and to continue to be motivated and, quote unquote, play the right way, no matter what the standings say on any given day. Um, and I haven't always believed that about these Winnipeg Jets over the last few years. Maybe that's just a reflection of how, you know, they were an incomplete team in terms of roster. And they're, they're not one of the top couple of teams that can just roll over, guys. Um and I wonder about the the combination of strings that need to be pulled to ensure a little bit of discomfort, just enough to keep everybody fresh, but also that they never lose sight of the things that they're doing well that that help them, like Josh Morrissey being aggressive, Dubois and Connor's chemistry, Shifley, you know, not being a perfect 200-foot player, but certainly being an improved one, all of these different things down the line. And I just... I guess for me, I just need to see more. I need to see months and months before I believe that it's the default. Well, the one thing I'll say, and this does, again, come back to Rick Bonus, is that there's absolutely no complacency for Bones and where he's at right now. We heard him yesterday talking about the standings. But maybe more revealing than anything, Marat, was you know, what he had to say after the Ducks game on Sunday afternoon, which certainly didn't sound like a guy whose team just won 5-2. to two. But... I mean, he was borderline personally offended by the way that the team came out. And 
was not shy about telling it. And as he's always said, trust me, the guys have heard it before you're hearing it. Um, it, it it's been fascinating to see the way he has handled different situations um, and addressed them clearly, publicly, and strongly, and what that has done with the club. And uh, listen, there's going to be a ups and downs throughout the rest of the season, as we know. But if there's one thing that I think we've seen from Rick Bonus is that he is not shy and not afraid to tell it like it is. And to be honest, for a long time, I think that's exactly what this team needed. I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. I am not a babysitter, he said. <laughs> I am not a babysitter. And no matter what, he, you know, again, not in his head. It may have been a throwaway line. I don't believe it was. I think that he was genuinely disappointed, bordering on disgusted. I don't want to, you know, um, about the way that Winnipeg came out to play that game against Anaheim. Um, what does that say about their preparation or what he knew of their preparation and all of that sort of stuff? I'm not sure, but it's ballsy to come out and say that. And I think that I think that it's important in Winnipeg right now to recognize how rare that that's been over the last several years. I think that a lot of this public sunshine has kind of killed the crop a little bit um, at times. I think it's important that this level of accountability exists. I think that it's important that they hear it internally and it makes its way externally. Bonus isn't afraid to talk about the negative things. Um, but it's also important to recognize where Winnipeg is in its history coach-wise. At 67 years old, turning 68 January 25th, he's on a two-year contract with a club option for the third year. Do you think he's going to be around for eight years like Paul Maurice was? Absolutely not. So this guy who came in and said he could completely understand anytime he's been fired for being himself, doing things his way, having the courage to say things. Well, he's doing that. He's he's exactly who he said he would be. And I get the sense that in a way he has nothing to lose. So he's not going to be a long track tenure coach, which means that this stuff, which may you may wonder, when are they going to get sick of hearing it? When is the show going to be too big? Two years plus an option, I think that that's going to be absolutely a perfect window for Rick Bonus to have had his impact on this team wherever they go in that time. Well, it, it, it's, it's uh, um, I mean, perfect considering who was in town last night, but the you're exactly right. I mean, Rick Bonus goes in and has a bit of a, hey, this is me and this is the way I'm doing it, and if that's it, hey, no worries. I was maybe not going to coach this year anyways, if I'm going out, if this is my last act, it's going to be the way that I feel. And he's obviously the conviction and the beliefs. And listen, I know people have different opinions on Paul Maurice. The one thing that I've said a number of times that Paul has proven, I don't know if it's even debatable, is that he has been in a lot of ways a master of self-preservation. And that doesn't seem to be even remotely a concern of Rick Bonus right now. And, uh, well, we're seeing what is... Uh, playing out right now in the Winnipeg Jets standings in the Central Division. Speaking of that Central Division, Marat, a quick back-to-back on the road against the struggling St. Louis Blues and then the Chicago Blackhawks. We saw how the Jets handled the Hawks uh, in that 7-2 win uh, a couple weeks ago. This Blues game, I would imagine, is one of the most important games of the season for St. Louis, considering how streaky they've been this year. They were 3-0 when they came into Winnipeg. They got pounded here in the peg which started an eight-game losing streak. They then ran off seven wins in a row, 
And now they're going back the other way. And of course, Jordan Bennington has been a central focus of just how unhinged he's been. Um, this is going to be a really interesting matchup tonight. The Jets, I think, are going to need to be full marks if they want to get the points. And I expect a very desperate St. Louis team when uh, they drop the puck tomorrow night in Missouri. Yeah, desperate for sure. Desperation sometimes brings out the unhinged in uh, in a player like Jordan Bennington um, and and others as well. But I I think that, listen, I have to acknowledge I'm so far away. I get the highlights, the clips, and you see Bennington, you know, having his tantrums and whatnot. Um, but it seems like a situation where there is a tremendous amount of stress and a tremendous amount of pressure and that not everybody's handling it very well, which means often to me a possibility of fireworks. And, you know, that that situation is going to be key. The enough of the guys on enough teams have played each other. Pardon me. Enough of the guys on the blues and the jets have played against each other for there to be a little bit of friction there. Big divisional game as well. I, I think it's going to be an exciting one to be sure. Um, in a way too, I think it's two games in hand that Dallas has, by the way, over the jets. And I know I'm sure that they play. I haven't looked at the Dallas stars schedule, but this St. Louis Chicago back to back almost to me feels like those games in hand. And if Winnipeg, you know, the conversation that you're having on what a Friday, Saturday, whatever the next time that this all aligns could be very different depending on whether Winnipeg runs the table or not um, against their, their rivals. Well, and it's a busy, busy stretch right now. We knew how much hockey this team was going to be playing in the month of December, heading into the holidays to play last night. Day off today, back-to-back Thursday, Friday, and then here on Sunday against the Caps and a very good Vegas Golden Knights team that's been at the top of the Pacific coming in on Tuesday. So some big challenges, but first things first, we'll focus in on the Blues. Just on the way out, Dominic Toninato's cleared waivers. He goes to the Manitoba Moose. Um, Would you expect this kind of clears the path for the activation of Logan Stanley? That being said, I'm not sure when he's getting into the lineup anytime soon, considering the way Dylan uh, uh, Dylan Sandberg is playing on that third pairing. Yeah, I, I think that the the intuitive play is that this is to give Logan Stanley a chance to get back into the lineup. Um, it's interesting. Like, I agree with you. Dylan Sandberg's played well. I've liked a lot of what he's done. He scored his first goal. That was phenomenal. Um, he'll be able to give that puck to mom, Patty, and dad, Mike. And, uh, you know, I've had a pleasure of talking to them for some stories. That's a, that's a great story. I've also seen with Rick Bonus. You know, he doesn't tend to let guys sit for too long, I guess, unless your name is Kyle Capobianco. So at some point, one imagines that he'll, that Stanley will get back in. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's lost that pole position on that vacant job for the time being because of health, and Sandberg hasn't really done anything to give it up. So we wait, we watch, and, uh, you know, I wonder what level he'll be able to get to. Marat, thanks so much for doing this. Really enjoyed the piece today in The Athletic. Uh, stay warm, and uh, we'll catch up next week with lots more to talk about with this first-place club. Sounds good. You too, us. Thanks so much. At WPG Marat on Twitter. That's Marat Atesh. And make sure to be subscribing and checking out The Athletic if you haven't already. Uh, all right, we're going to talk to Sean Fitzgerald in a few minutes about the Northern Star Award, Marie-Philippe Poulain winning the uh, Canada's Top Athlete for 2022. Interesting to hear how the voting went, how close it was, and who else was in the mix. Uh, but before we do that, I have to give a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. Of course, our bomber reports and curling reports all season long, courtesy of Princess Auto. And uh, we can't thank them enough for the incredible support they've given us. Now, they're also one of the most popular 
sponsors because of the incredible stuff they have. And with the holidays just around the corner, guys, you might want to be checking out princessauto.com for maybe a few gift ideas for the uh, the better half for someone in the family. Of course, Princess Auto is where you will find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out in person at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7 at princessauto.com. Um, the Culligan folks have been the water experts in Winnipeg for over 65 years as a family-owned business, and they've got everything covered from a water situation for you and your family, whether it's water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, or drinking water systems. They've got it, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. Any water needs, Culligan's got you covered. 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call at 204-694-5180 and check them out online at drinkculligan.com. Might be a great family gift as well that you'll benefit from 365 days a year. And hey, with the holidays here, of course, there will be some entertaining. There will be some revelry. And if you're thinking about a great Canadian whiskey, get Canada's favorite Canadian club available at your local Manitoba liquor marts. And while you're there, Bomber fans, check out the Jim Beam display because the Winnipeg Blue Bomber collector glasses are back and are free with the purchase of Jim Beam at Manitoba's 20 largest liquor marts. Zach Caleros glass, Nick Dembski glass, and Adam Bighill glasses all available now at your local Manitoba liquor marts with the purchase of Jim Beam. Um, and hey, Boston Pizza, we're back at it tomorrow night with Thursday night football, the Raiders and the Rams. Might it be Baker Mayfield starting for his new team after being claimed on waivers? I guess we will see. But just know that the best specials, prizes, and more every NFL game day are at Boston Pizza. Check out all the great new item menu items. Chow down on those delicious wings, ice cold schooners, and more. And you still have time to get in for that final draw coming up next week for the trip for two to Vegas for New Year's weekend, where the winner will see the Niners and Raiders go at it, as well as a bonus game for the Vegas Golden Knights on New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL and win at your local Manitoba, Boston pizza. All right. Sean Fitzgerald is going to join us in about five minutes. This might be a good time to quickly get to our cool bet lines for tonight. And uh, Remo, a little busier Wednesday tonight. Uh, Dusty and I were uh, chopping it up in the lock shop and seven matchups in the National Hockey League tonight, including the Avalanche as plus 162 home underdogs which makes a lot of sense when you fire up daily face-off and see who's playing and who isn't right now for the defending cup champs. Is that too low on the avalanche? Huss? I mean, <laughs> look at their roster. Nathan McKinnon announced he's going to be out four weeks. Uh, with, and say with the injuries, lower body, he like took a shot and then was in pain. And we don't really know much other than that, but uh, they've got like an almost AHL lineup, but they could still have Rantanen and Makar. But uh, it's uh, it's a rough, tough sledding. That's about it. Ranton is going to be playing in the middle on the top line. Mm -hmm. Um, But here are the guys that are out right now. Landeskog, Helm, Nichushkin, Josh Manson, all on IR. Nathan McKinnon out weeks, not days. Bowen Byram out. Evan Rodriguez out. And Arturi Lekkinen. 
basically more than half of their forwards not in the lineup right now. And, ooh, not a great day to welcome in the Boston Bruins, who have been the class of the East and really the National Hockey League so far at 23-1 and coming into tonight's game. Uh, the other matchups on the docket, Caps and Flyers. Caps minus 145 on the road in Philly. Charlie Lindgren getting the start for Washington. Buffalo, a big favorite in Columbus, minus 167. Massive total on that game. Minus 131 for over six and a half. I've also seen seven listed for that game. So they're expecting goals and not a lot of goaltending tonight between Buffalo and CBJ. Uh, the Flames can do the Jets a favor and a hold serve at home against the Minnesota Wild. Calgary's minus 138. The Wild plus 118. We mentioned that Bruins avalanche game. And the Edmonton Oilers looking to bounce back from a loss at home to the Washington Capitals. Guess who's here? Carl Vimelka and the Arizona Coyotes. Ah. Edmonton, a massive minus 313 favorite. And the puck line at minus 125. A little later on tonight, 9 p.m. game. Rangers at Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights, a minus 128 favorite. And the Canucks and Sharks drop the puck at 930. Vancouver, a slight road favorite at minus 116. And the Sharks at minus 102. And, hey, I talked about this on the lock shop today. We've had some fun and some real success lately with some of the daily exclusives with some great numbers on it. Getting ready for the World Cup on Friday. Cannot wait for these games. Brazil, Croatia, and then Argentina and the Netherlands. And as opposed to making a pick, I was looking at options. There's so many different markets you can bet on these games. But one of the ones I like is to bet for both teams to score. Uh, one of the games, it was plus 118. One of the games, it was plus 109. If you normally do a parlay on that, it's about plus 355. Well, Jake, Pat, and the guys have given us a real nice number. Plus 410 on that Cool Bet Daily exclusive for all four teams to score on Friday. Doesn't need to go over the total. Doesn't matter who wins. But Croatia, probably the toughest one. Brazil, Argentina, Netherlands to score. That is plus 410. And you can get that at the Cool Bet Daily exclusives in the exclusives tab. And of course, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to $200 when you play over at Cool Bet. Uh, and then, of course, we've got NFL football tomorrow, Remo, with the, as I mentioned, the Raiders six-point favorites against the Rams. Incredible what's happened to the Rams. Both the Rams and the Broncos could have top five picks, and neither of them will have their pick because of trades made over the last couple of years. Yeah, the, was, the Lions are having a pretty good season, and if they get a, a nice pick from ooh, the Rams, well, it could work out pretty well for them. And this Broncos season just gets worse and worse. Their offense is terrible. Trade away all the picks for Russell Wilson, not performing. Meanwhile, the Seahawks skyrocketing with Geno Smith, and they could get a, a nice pick from the Broncos there. So uh, tough. Interestingly enough, looking ahead to the weekend, I know there's a lot of Vikings fans here. Have you ever seen this? The Detroit Lions are are favored at home, minus two and a half to the Vikings. And the Vikings, last time I checked, they're leading the division. Um, they're ten early. and two. Yeah, ten and two. And the Lions, five and seven. Lions, two and a half point favorites. What's going on here? You know what? People are believing in what's going on in the Motor, Motor City right now. Hmm. Listen, the Lions have been great over the course of the last month or so. Uh, they pounded Jacksonville last week. Listen, I do think that there's an argument to be made that there's incredible value on the Vikings just straight up on the money line to win the game at like plus 110. Mm -hmm. 
But I'll be honest, the way the Lions have been playing lately, the history between these teams, a big NFC North division, the passion that the Lions are playing with Dan Campbell right now, and what the Detroit offense is doing against a Viking pass offense, which is near the bottom of the league, anything can happen in this game. We'll look forward to talking about that coming up in the lock shop um, as we do our best bets on Friday's program before WST. Um, Listen, before we get to uh, Sean Fitzgerald, we should mention another big, big signing in Major League Baseball. Maybe the biggest, well, certainly in stature, the biggest bat on the market. Aaron Judge, not going to San Francisco after all. Staying with the Yankees, nine-year deal, $40 million a season, Reem. Yeah, some big, hard not to notice this, big, big dollars being handed out in baseball, not going to the Giants, which uh, John Heyman tweeted out shortly after yesterday's show, then deleted it, reportedly between the Padres and the Giants opting to stay with the Yankees. Uh, the city with the fans that booed him, Huss, in the playoffs, but big money for him. A couple other signings, uh, a couple signings there. Uh, Wilson Contreras signs a five-year deal with St. Louis, who they've rocked uh, Yadier Molina, a catcher, for... Almost 20 years, and he'll be uh, going with them. Uh, who else do we got? We're, uh, Red Sox signed Kenley Jansen to a two-year deal, and Jose Quintana signed a two-year deal with the Mets. Uh, I wonder what we're still waiting for the Jays to do something. I'm kind of curious uh, what they end up doing. And the other big bat out there, Xander Bogart. So it's the baseball winter meetings in San Diego. I know I'll have Haxa. He's following that uh, closely on Friday. But uh, massive dollars being handed out in Major League Baseball. Yeah, Jamison Talon, also a four-year deal with the Cubs for $68 bucks. Good day to be a free agent in Major League Baseball right now with the amount of cash being thrown around. Um, so Sean Fitzgerald's going to join us, I think, just in a couple minutes. Yeah, Remo. he's on. Marie-Philippe Marie Poulain getting the, uh, the Northern Star Award. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, there is a number of really quality candidates. I know... Looking at the cool bet lines, they uh, had a, you know, Kale McCarr was the favorite at plus 300. Connor McDavid was shortly there afterwards. But, you know, I think certainly the panel, you know, wanting to recognize, uh, you know, women in sports. And we've got some incredible women athletes here in Canada. Um, Marie-Philippe Poulin, I think maybe women's hockey's always at a bit of a disadvantage just because, I mean, the lack of competition. Um, you know, it's essentially they're playing the USA for a gold medal and they did have the rivalry series this year. Um, but that's certainly not the fault of MPP who is a Canadian legend and has frankly been haunting the United States since 2010. I did think maybe Brooke Henderson would get it though, after winning a major and um, that'll be something we'll talk about with Sean coming up in just a second. Uh, by the way, with the holidays here, folks, Winnipeg's favorite local beer waiting for you for your holiday entertaining. And that of course is little Brown jug. Pop down and see him at the brewery and tap room on William Avenue down in the exchange. You can try all the delicious beers. Great place for a holiday get together and you can get the good stuff to go along with a great selection of little brown jug merchandise, which might be a great gift at the holidays as well. And if you can't make it downtown, of course you can find little brown jug at your favorite local beer store. And of course you could order both beer and merch online with citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. And a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki and their great support of ours from the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Four locations in Manitoba, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Waiting for you right now. 
Might not need a blizzard today with it being so cold, but I'll tell you what, if you need a quick bite, those stack burgers are incredible. French fries, chicken fingers, and more. And of course, for the holidays, why not add a DQ ice cream cake to the spread? Pre-order in advance or get something custom made by hitting them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba or pop by and see them at any of the four local locations. All right, let's bring in our pal Sean Fitzgerald to break down the newly named Northern Star Award, formerly the Lou Marsh. Sean, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? It, it, it doesn't sound like it's blizzard weather there. It's not quite blizzard weather here, but I don't need much of an excuse to have a blizzard. To be yeah, no doubt. Well, it's too cold to snow right now. Um, we uh, we welcomed the Florida Panthers and Paul Maurice in the, with a minus 34 low last night. It's going to be getting a little warm. And I, of course, was in Qatar last week, so I'm dealing with about a 60 degree difference from what I was dealing with there to what I'm dealing with right now, but wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Hey, just quickly, when did it become the Northern Star Award? I think that's sort of cut. This has been the Lou Marsh Award forever. It has. It has been. They renamed it this year. Um, there were some issues that came up. Uh, Lou Marsh, uh, former sports editor at the Toronto Star, had, even for his years, some problematic views. Um, and it was deemed uh, correctly that it was time to move on um, and, and change the name. So this is a Toronto Star Award. It was their decision, their rebranding. Um, they, they, they did all of that, but I think it's with the full support of everybody who's involved and, well, and follows it. Well, at the end of the day, this is about greatness in Canadian sport. Um, I've had the privilege of being on the panel in the past. I know how, um, fun some of the debates are. Um, how wide open was this? Um, uh, did it take a long time to figure out merely Philippe Poulain? Uh, how many other athletes were really in the mix and got some good arguments from, uh, the other people on the call? Yeah, I think argument's probably a pretty good uh, word. It might be a little bit strong, but let's call it a spirited debate, I think is uh, the description that we've all agreed to use here as we emerge from this. Yeah, I mean, what happens is it's, it's representatives from across Canada, uh, from, you know, the Maritimes out to BC and points in between. Um, and, you know, folks nominate people from any sport, um, who, you know, they believe represent um, greatness in Canadian sports. And that's where it gets tricky that you're, you're trying to compare somebody in bobsled to somebody in track and field or somebody in volleyball to somebody in golf. Or in this case, um, I mean, you have, you know, Brian McKeever, um, Canada's outstanding, um, you know, Paralympic, uh, hero. Um, you have, um, Brooke Henderson, uh, golfer, you have Marie-Philippe Poulain, arguably the greatest player in women's hockey history. Um, and how do you possibly try and compare them? So what you end up with is a lot of folks making a lot of impassioned um, uh, statements that, that may or may not be like the ones that you'd have maybe around a couple of adult beverages around the pub. Although we do it early in the morning, so there's yeah. unfortunately adult beverages around us. You know, um, I always like to pay attention to what the books are saying because often, I mean, when there's risk involved, they do a great job when it comes to handicapping this stuff. Marie-Philippe Poulain was 35 to 1. You had Kale McCarr at 3 to 1, Connor McDavid right there, Brooke Henderson, I believe it was 10 to 1. I think this selection maybe surprised some people. Um how did she win? What was uh, what put Marie-Philippe Poulain over the top? And is some of this basically a lifetime achievement award because of how great she's been and the lack of opportunities a lot for our women's hockey team to compete at the highest level? 
because basically you got the world championships, the Olympics every four years. And now at least we've been having this rivalry series to get a little bit more spotlight on this great rivalry between the two teams that dominate the sport. Well, I mean, one is, yeah, I mean, February seems like a long time ago, uh, but it was still 2022. She scored two goals in a 3-2 win over the U.S., and that was the most watched uh, event of the entire Olympics on the CBC, something like a peak audience of 2.7 million. And that started at, I believe, 10 p.m. in Winnipeg, right? So that's that's a pretty late game. Um, so you have that, you have the world championships, and the fact that, I mean, you know, in the Dream Gap Tour, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association Tour, uh, I believe she has something like 12 points in seven games. Um, so everywhere she goes, everywhere, meaning every, every time she's on the ice in a meaningful game, she's going to pot an important goal and on top of the fact that i mean she is i mean you could have a very spirited debate but i think that she is the greatest hockey player ever produced on the women's side in this country yeah i mean listen her uh the, the cv the resume speaks for itself Go take a look at YouTube. like i started after after you know we're waiting in between you know the end of the argument <clears throat> spirited debate uh to the time when the, the votes are tabulated uh you sort of fall down the rabbit hole Marie-Philippe Poulain, and yeah, this isn't a career achievement award. This is the athlete of the year. But you go back, like her LinkedIn page, when she retires, it's going to be many, many screens deep. Like some <laughs> of the things done, you've forgotten. But like go back and take a look at what she did in Sochi, right? Like it's incredible. Less than a minute to go tying the game and then winning the game and the world championships and everything in between that we don't see uh, from the Olympics. But the massive goals that she scores, it's I, I don't know that we've seen another player like her. Uh, you know, and speaking of women, um, I mean, Brooke Henderson won another major, continues to go in golf. Such, you know, we talk about the lack of competition in the women's side of things. It's a very different story in professional golf, especially on the women's side. And Brooke really is, in a lot of ways, the flag bearer and, um, you know, the queen of Canadian golf and obviously got onto the top. I imagine she had some support in the room as well. That lack of competition thing did come up today, too, by the way. Even if we look at men's hockey, this is just an aside here. But even if we look at men's hockey, like that depth of field argument falls apart pretty quickly because there's like how many countries really seriously play hockey, period? Five, six, seven? Well, I mean, the thing is with the men is, I mean, that like the international hockey is completely secondary in men's hockey for the most part. The no, top like, players, like, so the top players if they're in the years. playoffs – they're not even going to the world championships, which is, which sucks. I mean, we deserve best on best as hockey fans and we've been deprived of it for a long time for many reasons. Um, but I guess the point is like, if, if we're making the depth of field argument, you know, can, you know, you have Canada, the U S Russia, Sweden, Finland, and then, you know, what maybe the checks, Slovaks, five more. So if you do the depth of field argument, then somebody who plays a more accessible, more broadly important or popular sport excuse me um soccer track and field um they would by default win every single year um hockey is the sport that we've historically excelled at in canada and hockey is a sport that's historically played by about a dozen nations seriously so i mean that that depth of field thing is a really interesting you can sort of get the sense of why it's a spirited debate um but that depth of field thing really does sort of rank on me sometimes. Well, I mean, you know what it is? And you know what? It's unfortunate. I mean, and that, to be honest, is one of the things that's held women's hockey back. And I mean, I say this as someone that worked with Hockey Canada, put on the World Women's Hockey Championship here in 2007, still one of the highlights of my entire professional career. 
And, you know, we have seen from then some of these other countries, you know, make big strides and have more competitive teams. The problem is that the Canadians and the Americans are just so damn good and they're not allowing anyone else to get into the mix. And uh, But I would say this, the, the rivalry between those two teams is maybe the greatest rivalry in sports if you really spend the time watching and paying attention to it. And um, listen, Marie-Philippe Poulin, for her part, is you know maybe one of the most clutch athletes in Canadian history, never mind hockey players and never mind, never mind sex. Um, but I did want to know, I mean, Brooke Henderson was someone that I think obviously had some support. Was it, uh, was it tight? And, you know, if you could, I'm not sure how much we has been released, but, you know, after Marie-Philippe Poulin, um, you know, was there a second and third place? How close was the voting? Yeah, they don't, they don't release uh, second and th- third place. Uh, again, it's a Toronto Star Award. Uh, they invite media from elsewhere to come and participate in this. Um, but, I mean, the, the general finalists, yeah, it's it's Marie-Philippe Poulain, it's, it's Brooke Henderson, it's Felix Auger-Aliassime, it's Brian McKeever, uh, Kale McCarr, Connor McDavid. Those are sort of the names that were in that final list. Well, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's always... I mean, listen, it speaks to where we are right now as uh, Canadians and in sport. And I mean, I think just in our lifetime, I mean, you mentioned Felix Auger-Aliassim, Denis Shapovala, Bianca, who's been up for it before. I mean, that wasn't even a remote possibility 20 years ago to have so many Canadians up at the top. And then I have to ask you, was there much support for any Canadian soccer players? We know what the women have consistently done. and We're looking forward to the World Cup in Australia in seven months. And of course the Canadian men's team making some history led by Alfonso Davies this year. Yeah. Um, no, frankly, um, Alfonso Davies, I, I don't know if he was, if he was raised, I believe he must've been raised as a, as a candidate, but he wasn't in the list of finalists. I think maybe if, uh, maybe they beat beaten Belgium. Yeah. Uh, timing if, is everything. <laughs> that, that, that could have uh, definitely played into some recency bias, but, but I mean, to your point, like, it wasn't that long ago where like the joke was that fourth place was Canadian bronze, right? Like yeah. you think back to Calgary, 88, certainly Montreal, 1976. Um, we weren't very good at many things that weren't frozen. Um, whereas now, yeah. Like, and I think that's, that's obviously very healthy. I think that points to interestingly, and it's probably a philosophical discussion that we could probably have in another show, but um, you know, the changing philosophy about how we fund sports in Canada and how if you win you get more money whereas that wasn't always the case targeted funding um so yeah it's Canadians are good at a bunch of things now and that's one of the reasons why you know this discussion today seemed to take so long because there are a lot of people going around the virtual table arguing well, I, I can imagine it was right down to it. And, of course, we famously had a tie. Was that two years ago with, um, who was it, Laurent uh, Duvernay-Tardif uh, Tardif. shared it with? Uh, Davies, I believe. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> listen, it's certainly it's great for shows like this. And it speaks to where Canadian sport is that there's so many great possibilities for the newly named Northern Star Award. Sean, thanks so much for doing this. It's always great to catch up. Best of the season to you and yours. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. Great stuff. There is uh, Sean Fitzgerald. Great to have him on the program. And of course, you can read his work over at The Athletic. Um, All right, we're going to pretty much wrap things up. Let's just get Remus back in here before we uh, finish up. Uh, Anything else that you'd like to hit going into tonight? You got any hot picks, any hot DFS lines for people that are going to make their lineup? Or uh, what's the story here? I got my eye on this uh, McDavid 
line against uh, Arizona. Uh, Zach Hyman took the morning skate. He appears to be back, so I'm eyeing that. Also, the Sabres against Columbus. Um, who am I? I'm got my eye big total on, in that game, pushing seven. Yeah, I got my eye on their second line with JJ Paterka, Jack Wynn, and Dylan Cousins. Cousins has quietly like having over a point per game season the Sabres 12 they can... points in his last seven Dusty gave out a cousin's point at minus 134 today on the lock shop yeah. is uh when I wouldn't be surprised if that's his daily pick on uh, cool bet make sure you're following cool bet Canada for uh, the daily picks from the lock shop yes yeah, sir he's 24 and 20 24 points in 25 games Dylan Cousins and the Sabres they can score with the best teams in the league but they can't stop anyone so uh, I wonder if we're going to see some fireworks in that game and uh I don't know I probably won't watch the Avs game but I am intrigued <laughs> how they do with this lineup. Not they a good have... time to be hosting the Boston Bruins with uh, most yeah. of your top players and, out. And Calgary, I'm like not sure what's going on with Calgary. Are they taking a long time to adjust? Like Huberto's bounced around lines. Now he's on the he's back on the top line. But who, uh, Dubé and Mangiapane were scoring their goals in the last game. And this Ruzichka has had a bit of a breakout for them. But they're not getting, they're, they're not as you know high-powered offense. Like they were last year, and that's a good game tonight against Minnesota, who's who's coming in there. So maybe Central Division will will be watching that one. And how will Vancouver follow up their what was <laughs> it eight seven win seven they're, six in OT seven six? They're in San Jose against the Sharks. So we'll, maybe we'll see some fireworks there. Well, for tomorrow, we'll be focusing on the Jets and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, we'll look forward to having Scott Billick jump on the program tomorrow. Um, who else are we talking about? Oh, JP VJ is going to jump on. Yeah. We'll also talk a little more NHL with Frankie Carrado. Really looking forward to that. Should be a hockey-heavy show tomorrow. Getting ready for the Jets. First of back-to-back games in the Central Division against the St. Louis Blues and the Chicago Blackhawks. And folks, don't forget tomorrow. I know it's not Friday, but it's day one of the Marbles Holiday Tournament of Champions brought to you by Consolidated Supply Make sure you're with us at the end of the program for the first of 12 qualifying races and your chance to win 2023 Bomber season tickets, courtesy of our great friends at Consolidated Supply. Uh, Big thanks to Rennie and Marat and, of course, Sean Fitzgerald for jumping on and uh, all the great banter in the chat today. Very, very fun show with the Jets waking up in first place, and we'll look forward to getting back at it tomorrow with another big game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk dropping the marbles for the first one of the holiday tournament of champions and much, much more. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Tell a friend about Winnipeg sports talk. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and hit that like on your way out. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow for jets game day here on WST. Oh my God. Shut it down. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg sports talk daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.